This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that eases you through times of doubt and sickness. I'm your host, Mr. Hairless America, Bob Mackey. This is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today, as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert. I am right now terrified being cornered by two female strippers. <laughs> who do we have on the line? It is Andrew Jupin from We Hate Movies. Woo! Hooray! And this week's episode is A Hunka Hunka Burns in Love. You are a real a winner. Whew. That fortune really nailed me and my winning ways. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode originally aired on December 2nd, 2001. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my God. Oh boy, Bobby. After a counting scandal that rocked the world, it is revealed that Enron has officially declared bankruptcy and will lay off 4,000 employees. The biggest Chapter 11 up until WorldCom two years after that and dwarfed by the Lehman Brothers one in 2008. So yeah, when we were kids, we thought, oh, Enron doesn't get bigger than this in economic scandals. Like, no, it's far, far dwarfed. Uh, but also, Smash Brothers Melee is released for the GameCube and behind enemy lines can't beat harry potter at the box office hmm. so if you were a, a gamer uh, back then or in the last 20 years who's super into smash you might still be playing smash brothers melee on your gamecube refusing to recognize the current last 20 years of smash brothers games as new installments and you only want to play smash brothers melee yeah i think they still sell gamecube controllers for did they make them for the switch as well because They're they made them for the wii u yeah. okay yeah, yeah. you can just plug in a us there's a usb thing that you then can plug into your switch stand and then plug gamecube controllers into that like even even to this day playing smash the current one ultimate with a gamecube controller still feels correct to my mm. brain like i know some other definitely the more hardcore smash fans i think uh they, they like to mix it up though I, I think i've seen some of the tournament level players still using a gamecube controller i, I love the gamecube but that controller is insane <laughs> It's so weird. It's so great. Every I, button is a different shape. It's like uh, it looks like a Fisher Price toy. I love I love that about it. <laughs> I, I love the hexagonal ridges of the C stick. You know that it's not just an easy circle. Smash Brothers is a franchise that like I'm so intimidated by. I mean, I was in Melee in the whole. I was deep into GameCube hardcore, and I totally fell off with Smash Brothers. And I want to get back into it, but every time I look, I mean, talk about we were talking about like feeling old off the air. I look at these characters and I'm like, I don't know who 70% of you people are. <laughs> um, but would you recommend sort of just like a face first diving back in on Switch which, with whatever like most recent one is uh, yeah, available? I, or? I, I think Ultimate is, well, as friendly to new players as any could be, but it's the, the Smash Brothers <laughs> world is very insular. And I think if you go online, you'll just get your butt kicked. But I, I think uh, at the very least, Ultimate has every character that's ever been in a Smash game, plus tons of new ones. So, you know... Uh, 
In some of the sequels, if you had a person you loved in Melee, they might not have been there, only in a couple rare cases, mm-hmm. but they will definitely be in Ultimate. So if you're like, oh, I used to play as Dr. Mario, then there wasn't Dr. Mario in this last one. This now has Dr. Mario in it, for example, or the Ice Climbers. Ooh. And like 14 Fire Emblem characters. Well, yes. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's so much you can, play, can complain about with Melee uh, or uh, post-Melee, like... In Ultimate, it's like so many guys with swords. And and I love playing as four of the guys with swords, but then there's eight other guys with swords that are just kind of repetitive. Hey, sword guys are easy to make, right? Uh, and uh, the Enron thing, just to comment on that, it's just like, I, I feel like my my adult life was uh, like, the, the champagne smashing against the boat was like the first big depression of the 2000s, and there were like three more. I think we're kind of in one now. I'm just, we've all gotten used to living with so much less that we don't know what our incomes should be or what things should cost anymore that enron just looks so innocent now a little bit yeah but the uh the, the enron guys like in in the documents that came out like we were shocked then they're like wow they're just like evil they're laughing in an evil way on this phone call about how like oh can you believe like this this woman won't be without her power she's gonna freeze ha 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 like uh, now we're not shocked they're like yeah no. that's how evil these people are nope. like yeah yeah it's no it's and i mean i guess that in itself is totally unfortunate that the the shock of the whole thing is just totally dulled and similarly with you know recessions and all of that you'll see you know i'll see a headline that's like oh yeah sort of nearing the next you know recession or whatever and i'm like aren't we just still always <laughs> recessing in one way or another folks yeah i feel like that's like saying like oh it's the the hottest day on record or whatever like well that's every summer it's yeah. the next hottest day like, yep, like yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> things just continue getting worse it will always be hotter like you know. but the uh, good news is surprised by shit <laughs> the good news is we're used to it yes yeah <laughs> but, you can't kill what's already uh, dead and, uh, and yeah, that Harry that Harry Potter movie still ruling the box office by as I think it pretty much is number one for a lot of the oh one Christmas uh, until the Lord of the Rings shows up at the end of, of Christmas because sure. it was uh, it was a like Thanksgiving release wasn't it Yes yeah Harry um, Potter the was first Harry Potter if I'm remembering right because it was uh, that was one of the first big movie releases I had to work like as a usher at uh, the multiplex I came up in and boy that was just living hell <laughs> yeah every weekend was a living hell I. Almost as much of a living hell as seeing behind enemy lines in theaters, which I also did. (laughs) You know, that was like uh, eerie timing because it's like, oh, hey, now this is what war movies are now. It's like, you know, it's the Mm -hmm. same. It's the scary, the the white guy against the the scary horde of of non-white people all coming at you. Everything's orange all the time. You know, it's funny, Andrew, you mentioned that the Harry Potter, like uh, my my first job at a multiplex, uh, and I only worked at a movie theater for like two years, was at an AMC uh, the next year when uh, when the second Harry Potter film came out a year later and yeah mm-hmm. it was Harry I I worked a lot of big days uh, but I think Harry Potter releases were like the worst ones to work I think oh those were really bad and the the only one to date that has beat that and I don't work for multiplex anymore I'm still in the business uh, exhibition wise but the Ron Howard Jim Carrey Grinch movie mm. was the absolute like you would walk into the theater after the movie was over and it would be decimated as if people <laughs> were buying concessions just to dump it on the floor it was really really bad for weeks on end that movie was unstoppable and the garbage on the floor was also quite unstoppable wow yeah i you know yeah i i think i never 
the worst I can recall is I think it was Brother Bear, but it was like the Disney movie. Okay. And I think a couple times I went in there like feeling that a parent bought popcorn and their child just like, oh, thanks for the popcorn, mom. Dump and just put it all on the floor. Yep. Like they didn't eat one one kernel of popcorn, and they wasted that. People go to the movies. Money. They turn into animals. They turn into total <laughs> animals, like just a bunch of raccoons out for a night at the movies. It's wild. <laughs> I've uh, you know I only heard stories of people catching sex acts in theaters. I only I never I never had to stop it as an usher in my time. But uh, I never stopped one. I just sort of passed by and let them go about their business. <laughs> kind of clear you throw like mm. <laughs> someone else is here mm. now theaters are so empty i say try it you know <laughs> no one's gonna find you <laughs> uh, give it a shot <laughs> hey go see a screening of drive my car at like 2 p.m and start fucking i guarantee you no one will find you start with some hand stuff and work your way up. you'll have three hours to come <laughs> My God, I was Bob. edging through all three hours <laughs> to drive my car. Uh, I'm not used to hearing Bob be the. I've been the dirtier voice. It's, on it's the we hate movies later. energy yeah, that's doing it to me. And speaking yeah, of no, which, my my filth waves are <laughs> spreading off on both of you. I apologize. And speaking of we hate movies, Andrew Jubin back on the show. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Always happy to have you back. Woo. Yes, thank you, fellas. It's always great to be here talking Simpsons, literally. One of my favorite things of all time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we were big fans of We Ate Movies. We say it every time. I, I just oh, listened to back-to-back uh, -back your Kill Bills, Volume 1 and 2. They're great. Like at, Oh, okay. Speaking again of like uh, movie theater memories, like because that was the only, only time I worked in a theater, the only Tarantino movie that came out while I was there, and that did feel mm -hmm. special. Like I was like, wow, I am a super film geek who got into it be, became a video store and movie theater guy because of a love of Tarantino movies and finally I'm here when a, a Tarantino movie's coming out in theaters I feel like I'm part of it man totally the back to back of that um, I was in college so I was only working at the hometown multiplex on breaks and everything so I think the second one lined up with my spring break mm. um, it's, that's kind of funny uh, you say that Henry because like that was my thing too like him and Kevin Smith like movie nerd geek shit I was like you're gonna work either at a video store or at the multiplex and you know one just happened to win out over the other i was not hired at a hollywood video which uh. felt really great at the time <laughs> i you know i did both sides of the coin i did two years at an amc movie uh -huh. theater and then two years at a blockbuster and then two years Ooh, at a mom and pop yeah. video store which uh, and none of those existed well the amc theater does still exist but that, and it was your it. your path to become randall that is yep i didn't i didn't dream of becoming randall but i did <laughs> I, it happened oh <laughs> But yeah, I, I just, I guess, just really love that Kill Bill one. It, it took me back to being a, a film buff in the theater. And when I worked there, uh, when Volume 1 came out, I will never forget, it was the same week as the House of the Dead total dog shit film. It was oh, Halloween, and people, wow. people, <laughs> I seriously was telling people, like, no, this movie's awful, like, as in customers, they'd be coming, and I'd say, I see you've got House of the Dead tickets. I promise you, Kill Bill's better. You're gonna hate this movie hmm. and you know well, they wouldn't do nobody listened to me i was told that bodies would hit the floor that's why i'm buying my ticket <laughs> uh excuse me we were promised bodies hitting the floor 
Uh, it I was, still haven't seen that movie. So is that I'm still happy to avoid? Is that Ufa Bowl? It's a it's an Ufa Bowl classic. Okay, yes. yeah, it was. It was oh, the first yeah. the first one I was introduced to working in a movie theater. I just knew it as like, oh yeah, a video game movie. And then once I saw, it, I was like, oh my god, this is the worst thing. I yeah, I couldn't. I didn't pay for it. I watched it with coworkers, but uh, but yeah. Well, I guess Andrew, do you recall watching this three months after almost three months after September? 11th uh in in 2001 so this was yeah so oddly for me i don't know and i i've never been able to figure out why but for whatever reason my final year of high school which is when this aired um i just was not watching new simpsons and then oddly when i went back when i went to college i got back to it for a year and then fell off completely so i don't know what it was about that year there wasn't any like episode from season 12 that i was like that's it i don't think so but yeah so i didn't watch this one live i think like caught it on a rerun at some point like later on down the line it definitely wasn't like waiting for you know disney plus or like the dvd to come out or something i saw it at some point but not on the broadcast date wow man i yeah uh, i you know for for us i think for a lot of people uh 9-11 kind of shook our viewing patterns of simpsons <laughs> a little bit that was that was it for me for sure, sure. not but. me i was watching this uh you know what i did like it at the time because uh burn stories around this time weren't, weren't done very often we talked about it mike scully didn't use burns very often i think in his four-year run i can only recall three burns episodes and this was one of them there's the trouble with trillions there's the one with the loch ness monster and then there's this one that are all burns focused there might be another one but even one a season feels like uh not enough burns for me oh the uh the mansion family that's, right yeah right yeah. i guess I, yeah i guess to me it's more of a burns b plot yeah you're right yeah it's they they move into burns's house but it doesn't really focus on burns well because like yeah i don't think he's he's not as into the old timey stuff and burns is kind of you know there's there's bits in this where i'm like boy i wish uh bill and josh if they were overseeing this there'd be a lot more like specifics old time specifics i i did watch this when it was new but i didn't like it all that much i didn't there's there's some bits where i'm like oh, i don't think homer should say that or whatever but homer says wiener especially i was like that it just he left me in a bad That's taste weird. you know and this is so true obviously of the movie which you guys uh, were kind enough to chat about on we hate movies a while back like the simpsons and genitalia in general like leave it out <laughs> leave it out they're little people with four fingers anyway they're not like you know real human beings i would just like to imagine they're never talking about genitalia and certainly not seeing it like that movie but that line to me last night watching it it was like hey. i don't know about that homer i don't know act two marge just gets plowed oh man yeah <laughs> this is a filthy episode <laughs> yeah. that part really slayed me i cut him with the drool running up the stairs i was worried i was gonna wake my wife up. it was some <laughs> scream laughing going on in the house i mean i think funny stuff in this uh, i do feel like the guest star is wasted we'll get to her later but uh yeah i mean the great guest star great guest oh, star and, great. and yeah. she's back a few times playing this character yeah i think uh well oh really yeah yeah she she comes back huh. in season 19 and season 20 yeah and and had for non-speaking roles too but yeah i think it's also just so weird that like uh i mean i'm not used to this many holdovers like this is five the season starts with five season 12 production ones it, like that's how much they held over over time it only gets worse where half of a season is like half of the last production season yeah you know i i mm. definitely i think uh the 
writer's strike in 07 i think really mm-hmm. hurt that and damaged it or, or the timing of it but yeah this uh, this is like late in the run for schwarzwalder well i think we have one schwarzwalder script after this or two like last there's, is good in the west is coming soon there's like seven more oh okay yeah right. so we still got a, quite a bit to go through but yeah we're in the, the last days of schwarzwalder as well yeah which this feels like schwarzwalder is doing his thing but he got rewritten a little too much like i i i don't know there's some bits where i'm like oh this just feels like a regular sitcom not like a schwarzwalder he kind a joke there's there's some in here that do feel like a swordsweldery joke and then other ones that feel like um just right like a friend script complaining about a girlfriend you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like anytime you sort of venture into that like relationship advice area which is all that this episode is is homer helping burns you know date and carry them up to bed as uh julia says like yeah it just feels a little too conventional in that way like what is the wacky sort of simpsons-esque twist about this and there kind of isn't one i definitely think of wingman comedy stuff as not being a simpsons thing as being more of like a friends or friends knockoff style thing for sure (laughs) yeah well i mean i think uh scully didn't use burns as much because he didn't like doing stuff in the power plant and there's the joke in his era um do you even have a job anymore homer i think i obviously don't (laughs) so yeah burns is stuck there but you know lenny and carl they can be anywhere they want to be they could be like at at moe's they could be a bowling with homer but burns is kind of stuck in the planet they don't really go there a lot in this era so i think that's why this is also i mean burns never remembers homer but there's not even like uh smithers pointing out that's a man that works for you sir yeah it's like no homer is just some young man that burns runs into in the streets once well, smithers is gone at the end of act one yeah too. like they just kind of like eh, we, we did the one jealous smithers joke we don't need more i uh, i also think uh, this episode is one of the like horniest episodes like this this gave a lot of guidelines to online comic or online artists of like how do you draw like a hot a sexy girl's butt in simpson <laughs> style well here you go like this there there's maybe horny episodes but this has the most like drawings of sexy women in uh in any simpsons episode i think and one last preamble thing too that i found out was that in its first airing it was dedicated to george harrison because he had passed away four days before this aired so after they walk off to the sunset talking about beards it's like in (laughs) loving memory (laughs) dedicated to our friend george harrison yes it only did it in the first airing though but Hmm. uh, that's usually how they do it they do first airing they put it but they don't keep it in the uh the later ones yeah i think that's the move i mean especially when you're talking about an episode like this which isn't great and then it's like do you really want this to be dedicated to george harrison for all eternity (laughs) like acknowledge that he passed away in your broadcast and then get rid of that title card yeah it's uh, i think that's pretty much their practice since uh i think they probably started it with with phil hartman i think that was the first Mm -hmm. episode dedicated to uh which which one was that uh his his final appearance okay uh, well i think yes his final appearance because the show had wasn't airing new episodes when he died Mm -hmm. so i think they waited for the remembrance for his last episode in in bart the mother i i want to say that the uh the memorial to linda mccartney is still in trash of the titans is it still at the end of that one i i have vague memories of us talking about that i think it might be because you see like a picture of her cartoon self as she was on the show right right man they they really do it for the 
deals though you wonder like if you were a guest on simpsons and you died and then you didn't get one of those because they don't do it for everybody mm-hmm. i'd be offended right. yeah <laughs> in loving memory Bob, question I, I was just curious like when you were saying was it Schwartzwalder didn't like doing episodes in the plant i think it was the showrunner at this time mike scully like he was really leaning into oh. homer getting new jobs i mean every showrunner did that but he was like really focused on that so i think that's why we don't see a lot of burns because burns really can't leave the plant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless you give him a girlfriend for an episode that's the they they right, tried to yeah. find a way so was there ever in it, loving memory of joe c at the end oh i don't think so see he got screwed so. <laughs> <laughs> uh back then it's like okay phil hartman or someone related to the beatles like either either george harrison or linda mccarthy <laughs> when uh now now they do it for even just a writer which they should i like that they do that but like mm-hmm. uh the, the frank mula when he passed away like that's how we learned frank mula the writer of, of the valentine's classic like we learned he passed away because they dedicated an episode to him of the show i mean frankly oh wow not to get too depressing here but when a show is 33 years old too many people are dying we don't have room for everybody uh, to be right. remembered so <laughs> Jeez. that's True. depressing thought and like 1998 it's like oh a guest star died that's tragic but now it's just like every week it's somebody new <laughs> Uh, and uh, so this episode starts with uh, we got a chalkboard gag. Bart was complaining about fun size candy, which is a big scam. I had never liked that as a kid. Uh, but uh, and then couch gag is a prison break, which also, you know, kind of funny for the funny timing for the uh, the or style for this episode. And then. All right. This is weird. So we have Treehouse 12, which starts with them going to ethnic town. Yes. Actually, Eric Siska was joining us on our trip to ethnic town. <laughs> uh, then we we had Homer the Mo, which also also starts with a uh, comment on China and China being like watching people from their satellite. And then here again, it's like, let's go to Chinatown. It's like, have a new pitch for your opening act one thing. You can't the third time <laughs> in a row, like act one is like the Simpsons go to an ethnic place and also Chinese things. Like, I don't know. I'm there's some of this like toys l us that sign gag i'm not a fan yeah grown i don't like that no that's really bad and i mean look if you want to have them go to chinatown i mean i guess that's fine the music which uh, accompanies them there does not need to exist that was the big yikes moment for me because i think i was looking down for a second like away from the TV and that audio cue hit and I was like holy god <laughs> it, it does feel like in this the joke is rarely on the Simpsons they're just like everything here is weird and they'll eat anything won't they yeah. it just feels like it's all about Chinese people you know I was yeah. thinking of it in comparison to like the Simpsons try sushi from a decade before this one and that one there there i'm not saying it's like the most aged perfectly sketch but it certainly is more like yes the simpsons are judged as weird for the sim the joke is on the simpsons for not liking sushi and sushi's actually good and they learn their lesson here it is more like right. aren't Char- chinese people weird and the cat the cat knows his bit too i i really don't like that uh the Burns line, late, like not to get too far ahead, but that was like the atomic one. The Burns <laughs> joke when he's dealing with the the delivery driver, and it was funny because I was I mentioned that to the guys just on our group our group thread, and Steve said to me, "Oh well," and, and I said, "You know, that's not a joke." that they would have done like in the early 90s or something and Steve said well what about like when Krusty and it wasn't early 90s but when Krusty is dealing with all like the 90s alt comics and he has the uh, flying dicky thing and I said yeah but that like yes but 
that joke is more like, look how dated and shitty Krusty is. Whereas this Burns line with him and this delivery guy is like, it's just a thing that Burns is doing. And that that's it. Like, that is the quote unquote joke is him talking like that. And you're like, so like the comparison, I don't think is there between the Krusty joke and, and this one. Yeah, I think I I think too. This was the era of like it's South Park, it's Family Guy, it's yeah, it's just it's the style of the time of like racism is over, so we can do ironic racism <laughs> jokes, which there, end up just being like no, that's right. just kind of racist. There's another <laughs> Chinese thing. I yep. think it might be in Children of a Lesser Clod. I forget, but Grandpa is saying all the things you can do on your own, and one of them is befriend a Chinese man. Yeah, and uh, the guy says, Mr. Simpson, why did you leave the home? He's like, uh, but whatever, ping pong. And the guy goes, My name is Craig. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. they're they're really sticking it to the chinese yeah it's we weird. have that wickham line like lay off the chinese would you lou yeah, or lay yes. off the asians yeah lay off the asians lou I, you keep pitching pitching asian stuff i i i think we probably said in the previous one but i do also think like i do believe staff writer at the time dana gould was applying to adopt a child from china with his wife and so i think maybe this is bringing in some of the china baggage into this i i don't know but i i was trying to look up too of like so they have a they have a bit about tibet town is being bullied in chinatown uh which obviously the tibet freedom movement was you know the very in thing in the in the late aughts and i mean it's still tibet's still not free but we don't really talk about it as mm-hmm. much anymore i guess it's not a, well the beastie but, boys aren't around to let us know about it well you know one of them's dead and yeah. the others are pretty old you know i get it i but 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 i did wonder if that episode you know was cut from for as far as i can tell that that joke is still on the china version of D- disney plus it uh, not not like that other wow. episode so they got cut entirely but hmm. uh but yeah it's oh which uh, one did they cut entirely which one the the one where they visit uh it? china to adopt a baby it's a, it's a season 16 goo goo guy pan that's right goo goo guy pan i think they didn't oh, cut this okay. joke because you can't really see what's happening through that fence it's not visually <laughs> done very well i wish they would cut into the yard but i mean the joke is that tibetan people are being roughed up yeah. as prisoners <laughs> right uh, and then uh, we get a Chinese dragon joke, which uh, comes nine months after on Futurama in the episode Bending in the Wind. They also do a Chinese New Year dragon joke. In that one, it's revealed that it's like a giant caterpillar wearing a costume, not a bunch of people. In this case, it's just a living dragon. But like, oh, this is actually more fantastical than the Futurama <laughs> joke. And when um, when Harry Shearer says the word frush... I'm like, I can see why Hank Azaria is doing all the Asian voices on this show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> and they're also just reusing character models. That's the character model for Lord hum- Humongous, who was in Homer the Mo. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And so then uh, we cut to the Chinese restaurant they're eating at, which is Bob's Big Buddha, uh, which uh, it's, it's cute enough. It is uh, reminiscent That's of right. Bob's Big Boy, which me and Bob, we have eaten at the Burbank Bob's Big Boy that is featured in Heat, Whoa. if yes. you know the one from from heat where they're hanging out uh we're also the did how was the food uh it was a adequate tuna melt yes yeah it's totally (laughs) totally all right i ordered the big boy which was a big burger back then now not so much not so special but it but really you're going there for the ambiance to walk by like whoa that's where val kilmer and robert de niro talked about something and and they also they have a I don't think they even have a picture. No, I think there's like one picture, but like in 1965, the Beatles ate there too. So like, there's the Beatle booth. That's where the Beatles sat and ate ate a uh, you know a big fat American food. That's and that's why uh, George Harrison is dead now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I wonder if the big boy uh, did any sort of dedication when he passed away. Uh, they should have. They should have. They, the... they moved his arm to make it salute. <laughs> he dropped the plate, uh, and they twisted the wrist around. So, but uh, he's but... got a black armband on. <laughs> put the little beetle's face on it. The Simpsons will be right back. Attention all fans, the Simpsons Global Fan Fest has begun. Special events, contests, merchandise, and more. Visit headquarters at thesimpsons.com. Now, the Simpsons on Fox. Welcome to the break, everybody, and we thank you for listening and hope that you're feeling as youthful as old man Burns. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Andrew Jupin, as awesome as always to have on. Andrew, we are big fans of the We Hate Movies podcast. Check out their weekly podcast, and they're also going on tour these days, so look up their live dates as well for We Hate Movies. Thank you as always, Andrew. And if you're enjoying this podcast, you should know that Talking Simpsons is only possible because of the support of listeners like you who go to Patreon com/slash talking simpsons and subscribe subscribers there not only get every episode of talking simpsons a week ahead of time and ad free you can hear next week's episode right now if you signed up you also get a monthly episode of talking futurama and a monthly episode of talking of the hill that's only available on patreon me and bob covering a new episode of futurama king of the hill and talking simpsons style once a month plus you get access to the giant back catalog of all of our previous episodes of futurama and king of the hill as well as us covering every episode of The Critic, Mission Hill, and our 10 favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series. Check all of that out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. But if you want something nicer than even a Bugatti Sexarosa, then you should sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons because premium subscribers there not only get all the five dollar things i just mentioned but also they get access to the monthly what a cartoon movie where me and bob cover an animated feature film mega in depth just like we do with the simpsons that means we go super into the history and the film scene by scene often it goes over four hours sometimes even five hours and this month is our longest one yet me and bob dig deep and i mean deep into who framed roger rabbit it's the movie we've been wanting to do for a long time we finally got to do it and we talked for over six and a half hours yes six and a half hours about who framed roger rabbit the making of it all the cameos scene by scene all of it please sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons at the ten dollar level to hear that plus all of our recent ones next month we're doing toy story 3 the month before we did 1940s pinocchio before that south park bigger longer and uncut and a giant back catalog that covers movies like beavis and butthead to america the lion king a goofy movie akira kiki's delivery service and tons and tons more over 250 hours of what a cartoon movie podcast at your fingertips plus all the other stuff go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons today to see it all Uh, 
Uh, but so, yeah, we just get a bunch of like, isn't Chinese food crazy jokes here, which is just like, I don't know. I guess if you've never eaten at a Chinese restaurant before, I suppose there is some level of culture shock of like, oh, they they serve this here. I wouldn't eat this at a, a non-Chinese restaurant. But I don't know. By 2001, it yeah. feels like people have eaten at Chinese restaurants enough. Like this isn't like 1978, you know? The biggest thing I took away from this, uh, you know, movement here is they totally kind of repeat a joke from itchy and scratchy land because bart's like i'll have the shark butt with extra butt sauce and you know marge freaks out and then he's like no it's on the menu and that's the same thing when he's uh, ordering whatever it is at the crazy itchy and scratchy land restaurant baby brains or yes whatever. yeah the baby yeah, guts. baby yeah. guts right <laughs> baby guts right, right right that's veal yeah. uh when marge sees the menu i was disappointed there weren't more jokes on it it goes i think that's why it's like half a second because they're like you know we didn't even write extra jokes to this it's just it's just like above it is like chow mein below it is like you know uh, general sal like there's nothing else to it it's just shark butt right in the middle yeah they could have been a little more creative with that but and speaking well, with the track record of the rest of those jokes i don't know i mean yeah. maybe it's Maybe. <laughs> that that was just left. Well, and speaking of uncreative, George Takei is one of the most famous Japanese Americans in the world. What he is not is Chinese. And as I mean, I I looked on his wiki page and like like his parents, neither parent is Chinese. I don't know if he has any Chinese ancestry in there. And it really feels like just what white casting people do in in hollywood back then especially of just like chinese japanese whatever he can play the chinese waiter like don't just get george in here again like he he had played the waiter at the sushi restaurant which again like yeah that made more sense because he's he's hikaru sulu but he's not it just feels weird to me he's playing a chinese waiter i i don't know yeah yeah he comes back a bunch but never as akira yeah. In the show. So he started as Akira, the sushi waiter, but then every time he comes back, it's just Hank Azaria doing a Sulu voice. But it's just inexplicable why he's cast as this character, a thankless role. I guess it's good that it's not just, you know, Hank doing another. I guess because Hank can only do so many Asian voices, <laughs> there's right. more than one Asian character in the scenes. Like, let's just get George. Sure, sure. But man, I just don't get it. Like, I, why? I mean, I get it that they're just, it, it does feel to me that they just feel like Asian actors are interchangeable. Like, that's what the messaging to me is when they cast a japanese american famous the uh, one of the most famous japanese americans there is it's funny how the commentary because they recorded it when takei was nor recently out so they're hmm. they're talking about him uh being gay and all that which was interesting like when it was novel now he's he's been out so long we're kind of bored by it. like yeah yeah sulu's gay we all know like <laughs> <laughs> whoop-de-doo but they uh the doc that they put out uh, by uh that uh, is all about him uh, coming out and his activism was pretty good the name of which escapes me but you know i'll never forget his uh, it's okay to be to k <laughs> uh, in place of it's okay to be gay i don't know i love him and his husband brad they are fabulous people him and brad are great i like they, they tell a funny story that in matt selman he lives in the same ritzy hollywood neighborhood <laughs> as as them and that he'll answer the door in his sulu outfit on halloween and give out candy like, oh what a sweetheart and, and apparently brad is Total in costume treasure. too i wonder if he uh you think he goes as sulu or that sorry that he goes as Chekhov, and they're like kind of a oh. sulu Chekhov slash fic together i can oh. see that yeah 
<laughs> now we're talking who would you slash fic sulu with i guess you know Chekhov and him they're kind of at similar importance hmm. levels so i mean i guess you could see him with i wouldn't want sulu with uh with kirk that's uh i i don't like I, i'd say him and that lizard monster <laughs> the, he, the he, gorn he could tame oh, him gorn? Yeah. he could tame the gorn <laughs> he could tame the gorn <laughs> Although if he was dominating uh, on on Kirk, you know that would kind of be like ultimate Sulu revenge, and you know Takei just hates him so much. So that's true. I'd, re- I'd read that story <laughs> if he's topping Kirk. <laughs> sure, okay, I'm I'm down. But uh, but yeah, then we also get a joke of that. You know, I I have heard from vegetarian friends like at some chinese restaurants you can't get vegetarian meals but maybe i'm just spoiled living here there's always like vegan and vegetarian options at, at chinese restaurants now like i i'm pretty used to that and again just cat noses i'm like yeah please don't do at chinese people feed you cats at their restaurant jokes Ooh, yeah I, I don't like that it's like we're lingering on this a while but it just shows you how dated this stuff is because uh, like three or almost no four years before this king of the hill had the episode where khan super and his family moved to ireland They're the new neighbors the hills have all of these preconceptions about asian people including the fact that they might eat dogs and cats and a big joke in the episode is hank thinks they killed ladybird and are serving her mm. and, and the joke is oh, like the white no. person has the misconception yes yeah and the, and the joke's on the white person instead here the joke is uh. no the chinese people are offering you cat noses because they do feed you cats yeah right yeah. right yeah. i do remember the hank hill joke uh when they move into the neighborhood so are you Chinese or Japanese? <laughs> yes. uh, uh, we're Laotian. We're from Laos. Got it. So are you Chinese or Japanese? <laughs> like, oh, man. You know, for, <laughs> for a lot of Americans to be, imagine Asian countries that aren't China or Japan is still hard for them. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yes, it's also, you know, I feel like I have to just play the jingle of uh, of them trying to serve lisa with is there any way we can enhance your dining experience by hurting an animal that's a real take that lisa's belief (laughs) moment there which uh, i must play the jingle it doesn't get used as much as i thought take that lisa's beliefs Well, I don't want to get on my pescatarian soapbox here. It's very slippery because it's full of fish. <laughs> but uh, I do feel like a lot of people, especially in America, especially as, as I was becoming, uh, you know, a not eating most kinds of meat kind of person uh, like 15 years ago, a lot of people see like if, if a food uh, item does not have meat in it, it's like a ripoff. Like, well, that's uh, that's that's something that has to be included in every meal. Like, where's the meat? Hey, Goober, where's <laughs> hey, the Goober, meat? Where's the meat? Yeah. And I think that's like a uh, like a, a notion a lot of people have. Like, if there's not a meat element of your of your meal, you're you're being shortchanged in some way. Well, like you not think, accurate, of course, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you think like, why'd I go out to dinner if I can't get meat? Like, I could eat a thing that's not meat right at home. Like, I, I pay. For I could meat. grow this corn. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, the so then uh, they they enjoy their meal, and that's where we get our first clip uh, with fortune cookies. Which again, it's like I don't know. This feels again like a 1979 joke. Like, I mean, fortune cookies were. I mean. I think I thought it before watching this, but I actually am critical of, of fortunes that are not, hmm. uh, that are too like indirect or just like an aphorism or whatever of like, Hey, now always remember, uh, look both ways before crossing the street or whatever, or just like, or sometimes it's just a bunch of numbers. Like yes. here are your numbers. I, want, I didn't request this. I want actual predictions. <laughs> I really do want that. But actually my biggest laugh in the episode is at the start of this clip because they just play Dan saying a line twice. Like hmm. I, I just uh, <laughs> give this a listen. Listen here. Fortune cookies. 
Ah, uh, and now to read my fortune. Geese can be troublesome. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Oh, fortune means geese cause problems. Well, I knew that before I came in here. A guy outside told me that. <laughs> Every house has a bathroom. Oh, these fortunes are terrible. Is there a problem? These fortunes are terrible. <laughs> They're supposed to predict stuff and ease you through times of doubt and sickness. Well, with all due respect, sir, I suppose you could come up with better fortunes? Huh, easy. Well? You will be aroused by a shampoo commercial. That's not bad. <laughs> Come with me. Yeah, I just love hearing Homer say it twice in a row. These fortunes are terrible. <laughs> These fortunes, like, just it's like they just hit uh, a a sound board. I just I love that about it. It but, definitely has the feel of a Jay Sherman buy my book. Yes, <laughs> buy my book. This uh, this little job for Homer doesn't really pan out though. It, he kind of forgets he has it. He's yes. very invested in it for like the first <laughs> yeah. act, and then it's like, well, he just then a dog steals his gum, and it's he's burnt his friend. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, though it's it does turn into a bit of it's just comedy writers writing about being comedy writers at this point of like oh that Homer Homer is having a star is born kind of moment of just like he said these jokes weren't funny and then he proved he could write a funny joke except replace joke with uh, fortune cookie slips I and then it even just turns into an old writers room which uh, uh, with with boy then seeing Woody Allen I'm like oh man boy <laughs> this is just a lot of stuff in here I don't like seeing it's still a fun voice sure it's like sure. why do the most demented perverts have the funniest voices like woody <laughs> allen and bill cosby <laughs> it's not fair yeah we need some stand-up citizens that just sound ridiculous <laughs> totally right and i was thinking about this fortune cookie thing uh maybe it's because we live in the bay area in berkeley but whenever i get chinese food they don't give me one of these because i think they know like you don't care about this bullshit but like if i go out for a meal like a chinese dinner i, I think it's usually like an orange slice they give you at the end mm. it's never the cookie i never get the cookie anymore i think it's more of a, like a buffet thing now that's interesting because i've noticed recently too my place uh, just down here on the block the takeout place has totally gotten rid of the fortune cookie in the delivery bag but they do have really delicious um you know foam meat uh, replacement options which is nice um but yeah the fortune cookie i don't know if it's maybe like a supply chain thing in the uh, but it's been gone like sometimes since the pandemic they wiped it out and i was wondering <laughs> what the deal was well, there one of those ships in the suez canal is just full of fortune cookies <laughs> and it, uh, went, it went down well those, i mean those fortune cookies though are good forever because they're not made to be eaten like it is like i'm surprised there wasn't a joke about how like most fortune cookies are like you know crappy they they just shatter the second you bite them and, and yeah. by cut you cut your cheek as as happened to millhouse with that gum you know what you do do if you're at a chinese buffet you want to get ice cream you crumble that fortune cookie on top buddy oh hey, that's you got a little nice. special treat and you get a fortune uh, that, buffet uh, hack <laughs> <laughs> uh, i also like hearing on the commentary lance kramer he doesn't have a ton to say but uh he talks about how the the fortunes are pink in there which he at first did not like and he it sounded like uh, he felt that an animator went rogue because he thinks it is too distracting but the person who changed it she took him to their local uh the the chinese restaurant 
that the, they went to by the office and she's like see the fortunes in here are pink it's accurate but he, uh, he said it taught him the lesson of like in the office don't make things pink without permission you have to <laughs> you have to get permission to change something to be pink which I my first thought if I am imagining what's inside a cookie I break I see white paper white paper it's for me I've gotten pink paper not to say I've never gotten it but I see white paper Oh, absolutely. I've, I've had pink a few times, but it's definitely 99.9% of the time it's been white paper. Also, the uh, the thing I could not stop thinking about during this whole fortune cookie sequence is that they top every single one of the jokes in this sequence in the the episode. I think it's with Mindy Simmons and they go to the restaurant and he looks at the cookie and it's like, uh, you know, oh, the, you see the guys in the back and it's like we ran out of... Uh, You'll find happiness with a new love. Okay, just give him one of the stick with your wife cookies. Whatever, <laughs> yes. whatever that joke I'm butchering is. like, And it's just so simple and precise and really hysterical. And like in the face of the nine fortune cookie jokes we have in this sequence that just fall flat, almost all of them. I, I do like the very Swartzweldery idea that uh, these fortunes are hand-typed on the tiny slips. Yes. <laughs> They're I not just like, like pre-written phrases that come out of like a big spool or whatever. <laughs> just People are writing them all right. individually. And and each restaurant makes them themselves. They don't like order a bear. They don't order like a giant crate of them that they use for the entire year. They they make them that day. And also when Woody Allen tear like junks his uh writing he has to put it in a tiny trash can because it has to be the right size for the paper he's throwing away it's smaller paper so he has to throw it in a small trash can but uh, i do i kind of wish these out woody allen jokes are meaner like like they in scully's years they had meaner jokes at his expense like the <laughs> in the tokyo one when he says like he's doing a commercial in japan you know feeling that he's demeaning himself he's like man what did i do to deserve this Oh, right. <laughs> like, that's a good joke. Like, this this seems to be more like, oh, isn't Woody Allen just, like, a funny guy? There's no jokes about his, um, you know, uh, public... The, things that are public record, let's say. Totally. You're sort of waiting for the other shoe to fall there, especially because of the absolutely great Rainier Wolf Castle. I'm a neurotic nerd who likes to sleep with little girls. <laughs> I know. Which is just another fucking sick burn um, <sighs> from, you know, way back before this episode it's kind of awkward on the commentary actually i don't know if you noticed that bob where mm. like it sounded like i think al gene especially on the critic and also on on simpsons but even more on critic he had some of the meanest woody allen jokes on there totally deserved like and they were all like soon ye based yes yeah or just like yeah. oh uh, what a cute girlfriend jay does she have a daughter like right jokes like that but then they're asking Al Jean on there of like oh hey you had him on the critic right and he's like we joked about him on the critic and they're like oh why haven't we had Willie Allen on the show and Al Jean's like oh you know uh. and then they even they have to address the very awkward thing that um, Julie Kavner was one of the people who stuck with him and kept working with him a lot in the 90s unlike uh, some people mostly didn't and then it was that weird Woody Allen resurgent in the aughts and like like in the early i think it was like match point brought him back like it started this europe phase and he he could just start being nominated nominated for stuff again and then in the 2010s it came back around we're like wait what what are we doing why did we, we just forgave him what the fuck's going on here hey we can see rifkin's festival down the street Ugh, rifkin's also like come on oh man i got a booking request for that you know like a sales sheet um like hey this is what we're you know putting out this month would you like to come in with rifkin's festival and i was like <laughs> 
that is a non-starter. <laughs> I'm not playing the movie. No, I. It's like also he makes a movie every year. He has like watch one of the thirty ones that are better than Rifkin's Festival that are probably very similar. Like in like yeah. yep. What new thing does he possibly have to say at this point? Like just he hasn't said a new thing in a movie since maybe 1997. So <laughs> it's not really worth digging in that you know that show difficult people had such a great woody allen joke about uh the character julie klausner she gets cast in a woody allen movie or a woody allen amazon show in the show uh and they're just mocking him the whole time and her character is a cigarette girl and she's like oh is this a period thing and the producer has to like no woody allen still thinks cigarette girls exist like, this, <laughs> this is now she's like oh okay but uh <laughs> But yeah, I also I I do wonder, you know, it looks like accurate. I, I had to look this up. I would have said Mandarin, but the the name of the alphabet is Han Z. It does look like accurate Chinese lettering on the door there for it. I don't I don't know if it actually says something in it, but hmm. uh, and yeah, the joke too of like I kind of like jokes about writers complaining that like oh you know frowns way better umbrella than a smile because it's pointed downward that makes it but no the accents I just can't I can't <laughs> uh, you know accents. as as sweaty and like almost like laughing e as it is I I really thought the young me uh, joke was inspired sure sure he's he's it's like kind of great <laughs> he's like a young me who are you kidding young me was a hack compared to this like yeah that it's uh. <laughs> If, if a Chinese actor had delivered that, I, I might have really laughed at it now. It's, uh, but, you know, as seemingly as this episode proves, there simply were no Chinese or Chinese-American actors that could have been hired in 2001. They not in Los Angeles. Not in Los Angeles. Just nowhere to be found. You couldn't find them. If they, if they existed, they would have been in this, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, then Homer is hired to write fortunes. He's writing them at home while also wearing a rice picker hat, which is also very silly and a bit much. Uh, um, I do like Lisa having to write dick take dictation on a Mandarin typewriter. Like that's kind of funny. It, uh, it actually reminded me of like, do you guys remember Google, uh, Google Japan, their 2010 April fool's joke, uh, was a keyboard of every kanji character. And it was basically like a 700, uh, button <laughs> keyboard that surrounded the guy it was it was pretty funny that was good the uh lisa joke here is great when he's like are you getting all this down and she's looking at the keyboard like i don't know and it's a really good yardley smith delivery of the line <laughs> yeah it's uh you know the rest of the family is just a party to homer's adventure in this episode but they the little bits they get are good i like that lisa as usual lisa has to dictate for homer homer cannot type things this is similar to when they were writing restaurant reviews together as well homer then makes a prediction about flag day <laughs> which is uh in june this episode airs in december very yeah. very strange timing this is a summertime adventure <laughs> And and the preceding episode was the Thanksgiving episode, so yeah. it's even more oh, silly. Wow. Yeah, it, Homer makes a prediction for Flag Day, which uh, well, first then he makes a prediction that like you're being robbed, Apu, which uh, you know that's probably going to be useful for Apu. I thought that it. would pay off. Yeah, I was waiting for that to pay off. <laughs> but I do like Lenny Lenny being excited with something as vague as you're a real winner, and he's like, this fortune really nailed me in my winning ways. <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> 
Uh, and then, uh, yeah, just Homer being like delighted. It just turns Homer into a comedy writer who's like, people love my funny jokes. I'm so great. Oh, like, Homer, I mean, they don't even linger on his job at all after this, but Homer is cheating at this fortune writing game because he's writing fortunes for people. Like he's hey, targeting them. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I also think that you'll be aroused by a shampoo poo commercial fortune of homers i think that's a reference to all those like uh herbal essence ads back then of the all the the orgasming oh, women commercials time. yeah and i think julia yep. louis dreyfus was doing those really yeah oh wow you could see her come on the tv Whoa. if you wanted to come on now <laughs> i'm gonna work in three comes in you this episode that, though, bob <laughs> that really just kind of like kicked something loose in my head i think you're totally right that she did one of those where everybody's just coming it's fantastic <laughs> i'm coming to the gym when i wash my hair i mean those commercials were women moaning in sexual pleasure while they were washing their hair because yes, yeah. they were conflating the word organic with orgasmic and that was the big wink at the audience right, yeah which no it's just it's it's you know it's shampoo that smells kind of fruitier that's all like <laughs> but yeah it's a <laughs> hey, sex sells baby i think uh, you know it's still around that herbal essence even uh they i remember they even did a commercial where the a guy used it and was making the same noises <laughs> and just saying it was their way of saying like it's not just for women guys like you can get it yourself but uh, oh yeah those commercials worked on me man for a long time i had the garnier fructis herbal essence the blue one it was like a coconut thing mm. was a massive fan for many years that was my go-to <laughs> i you know i usually go with the head and shoulders hair uh stuff but i like i like scent fruit scented body wash that's usually my more my jam mm. there but uh oh, nice <laughs> but yes I'm a, I'm a pantene pro v kind of guy <laughs> so then this leads to a first act twist so big that it deserves uh, also playing the jingle <laughs> I bet you didn't see that coming. I forgot about that jingle. Yes, yeah, it has. Well, it hasn't happened in a while, but this one, somehow Homer doing Chinese uh, fortune cookies leads to Burns buying Chinese food and then having a new adventure of his own. Like, this is such a hard turn that has almost nothing to do with Homer at all. This could just be, this episode could begin with Burns eating Chinese food. Like, that's what where the episode could begin. But, uh, but yes, Burns gets Chinese food in our next clip. Fourteen dollars and ten, eleven, twelve cents. There you go. You know, sir, tipping is customary. Ooh, me sorry, me no speaky Chinese. No, <laughs> oh, General Gao, you're a bloodthirsty fool, but your chicken is delectable. Ooh, this cookie feels heavy, as if there's some paper inside. <laughs> nice job, sir. It was my thumb. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be some sort of communique. It's your fortune, sir. Capital. <laughs> you will find true love on Flag Day. <sighs> Why, it's Flag Day today. It... <gasps> true love at last. Well, it's just you and me here, sir. No time for jokes, Smithers. Come along. We're going womanizing. Oh, goody. <laughs> you know what? Oh, goody was potential Smithers catchphrase because that's what he says when Burns tells him they'll be buried alive together. You're right. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, but they, yeah. they never made it his thing. Uh, they should have. Yeah. You know, Smithers misses. He doesn't have catchphrases. He needs it. Uh, yeah. That, him breaking his own thumb while trying to open it. That's <laughs> great. I only for the joke. The only Chinese person they don't give an extreme accent in this episode to is because the joke only works if he doesn't have an accent 
accent. So they just had Carl Wiedergott do the voice, which, and then that leads to Burns being very racist towards him, which, hey, I do think a rich guy who orders Chinese food food would be very racist to the service worker. I think that is accurate, at least. That's true. And they gave Smithers uh, sure. chopsticks sure. and Burns has a fork, so you can tell. Ah. <laughs> Smithers is more cultural. I also love the fact that they're kind of insinuating this may be his first time eating Chinese food. Is he so surprised about the communique and the cookie? It's like, is this your first time? Your first rodeo here, Burns? And it sounds like he actually battled General Gao. And he's like, oh, I remember battling this guy. But, uh, you know, his chicken's good. Which, uh, and, uh, and on the commentary, we get the answer that, like, another reason they used Carl Wiedergott or gave him, like, spare part here or there was because at the time he was, like, their fill-in guy at table reads. Like, he would, uh, he would come to the table reads to read the parts of actors, I would guess, mostly Harry Shearer, uh, who wasn't there. I think I could see them just giving him these one-off lines that don't really matter. They just are like, hey, th- thanks for showing up for the table reads. We'll give you a line on the show, you know. But it's, it's fun, uh, him just, you know, being very flat. It, <laughs> it works for the joke. But yeah. yeah, I don't like hearing Burns say Chinese. That's not a great life. All the other burn stuff, though, it, I mean, he doesn't get to be evil outside of not tipping because he has to fall in love and change his demeanor entirely. Yeah. But uh, I love uh, just seeing him again. <laughs> and him, him telling Smithers they're going to go out womanizing, like, and that, as usual, Burns does not read Smithers at all. Smithers is like, hey, it's time to finally make my move. It's flag days. Like, I'll quit be serious, <laughs> Smithers. Uh, and so <laughs> we head off to a fancy party that is fitting for, like, a TV sketch show. Like, it's such a perfect fancy party full of like you know we talk about how little he used burns he used this wealthy dowager so much like she appeared so many times in the scully years saying oh well i never i love her saying like i've gone five minutes without saying well i never and then burns replies with his own catchphrase excellent that's so great and uh i i do enjoy this is the second time we've seen uh that uncle Pennybags is real in this universe yes yeah oh i love that I love that so much because it's just like I mean it's kind of interesting thinking like it's sort of in the same realm as like the dragon being a real creature joke like just that fantastical because he's not drawn like a Simpsons character he's drawn like you know Uncle Pennybags it just looks like I I mean you know so if it's a Simpsons person looking at that that's like an alien creature you know he was at that uh, (laughs) money making seminar that's right and he says like these yokels are pure Baltic Avenue yes that's right because Burns (laughs) is complaining like I've had enough of this fat cat bashing <laughs> yeah and that in that one he drives off in like the silver car piece but i like this better yeah. than driving off in the railroad engine from like the railroad pieces it makes less sense yeah <laughs> the, and, uh and i love that again this is such a silly idea that like burns at first wants to date uh, a woman his own age as if as if it's not entirely a thing that the very rich people of the world who are like Mr. Burns don't date people who are in their 20s and 30s like they, they would not okay. date a wealthy dowager like there's many guys who are Mr. Burns but Sumner Redstone 100% was a Mr. Burns and he did not date women over the age of 30 no. I don't think no Maybe they're going for the whole. Uh, I think this was happening at the time. Anna Nicole Smith and her. Uh, let's let's call him a geezer. Oh yeah. She was dating a geezer. Maybe yeah. they're partially inspired by that. I bet you're right. You're right. Yeah. What happened? Did she fuck that guy to death? Or uh, well, he definitely died. He just, and 
she was yeah then she was supposed to get the inheritance and the other uh kids his his kids took her to court and i believe she lost she did not get the inheritance oh, and so uh-huh. if she had gotten the inheritance she probably wouldn't have done those reality shows but and she'd uh, probably still be alive today actually that's like a i think you're right it's like a total like straight line between yeah. not getting that money <laughs> going to what was it on e that that oh, reality show and then yeah. unfortunately ODing. i remember i had life that that saturday tv funhouse where they made it her is smurfette and it was like smurfette was living that life of the of the anna nicole show and the characters in the show would just go like can, can we just get her help like this like, let's stop filming like let's stop and i was like no this really yeah. was true we we should have we all should have stopped filming that and just gotten her some help but yeah you know i think this is a little bit of the Anna Nicole stuff in here. Well, like, and had they actually gone into girls, girls, girls place, he uh, Burns might have gotten himself an Anna Nicole, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they they head into a place which uh, says girls, girls, girls on the front, and and Burns thinks they might have some luck here in our next clip. Ooh, damn that penny bags between him and Scrooge McDuck, all the best ankle is taken. <laughs> Perhaps there's some girls in here. Huh. Great heavens! It's one of those nude female fire stations. Oh, I'd always be second place to some kitten stuck in a tree. Let's go, Smithers. Smithers? Ah! 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 <laughs> that, that could be an outdated stereotype about gay men. Uh, that yeah. they're terrified of women? Well, hey, look, it's not... He's not just terrified of women. These are like uh, jiggling women thrusting themselves in his direction. They're doing their jobs. Yes. Yeah. Hey, they're doing. He he should just be more respectful. Like, thank you, ladies, but no thanks. I, I'm good. Like, but yeah, I think I think that's the most meme scene of the whole episode. Like, I maybe in my gay circles, I'm seeing it more than you guys. I don't know if you've seen it, but I've I have seen that used on Twitter when people are being too horny on Maine and somebody will reply with like, please no more of this. I don't want to see your naked ladies in, in my feet anymore. Oh, weird. I have not noticed that. I'll have to keep my eyes peeled though. I, I don't think I've uh, followed too many horny people on Twitter. <laughs> I, I see that not Luckily. to imply horniness, but like the women represent things that are like tormenting you. Sure. And sure. like Smithers will be labeled me and the women will be like uh, war against Ukraine and like uh, <laughs> pandemic or whatever. I don't know. Sure. 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 Oh, I've seen it used for that too. But yeah, I guess in in my uh, gay spaces, I've seen it used by you know gay guys who are like say. For example, we talked about Smash Brothers. When Smash Brothers announces a new character for its newest game and it's like a sexy anime babe, then if you're a video gaming guy, you'll see all this fan art of new sexy babes from Smash. And then somebody <laughs> will share a picture of like of Smithers going like, this is me in the Smash community today. Uh, I, even saw, I even saw a Smash fan redraw it uh, as Sakurai, the executive producer of of the smash game sakurai is smithers and he's surrounded by these two buxom women who just got added to the game who's just like no please 
but uh we've said it before you don't need to ask twice to get animators to draw sexy no they're very detailed yes yeah these i have never seen these these kind of like bodily gyrations in a (laughs) simpsons cartoon before it's great especially the women surrounding smither this is for burns it's almost like a mr magoo joke like oh it's a (laughs) it's a nude female fire station that's great yes he's like one step away from dancing with a coat rack You know, he sees the pole dancing. Do you think all the detail, like, with the ladies' animation or whatever, like, that's why it was a holdover from season 12. They were like, we just can't, we can't finish it. We're still working on the butts. <laughs> they needed <laughs> a whole summer. Season 13. <laughs> uh, you know, one more retake on this, you know, please. Like, just, uh, we can get this G-string even smaller on them. The sensor will let us do it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, it's crazy. It's again, this is why I say like, there's technically more sex focus. Like I'd say the, uh, the Simpson and son episode is maybe a hornier episode because everybody in town is having sex. But this is like the, they, they drew the sexiest ladies in this episode <laughs> of Simpsons. I think they head out of there. They decide that, uh, you know, it's, it's the worst flag day ever is Mo is putting away his flag as he's humming. That's so great. Just in the background, it's like, well, flag day's over time to put away that American flag, <laughs> which that's not what people were doing in December, 2001. Not. Nobody were... was putting away those. I was going to say, wow, we were, we were beyond the pale with that, man. It's now it's a three, six, five. You hang that fucker out. I think the funny thing, Bob, you were talking about like, it's a December episode and flag days in June. And honestly, like if you were like, Hey, Andrew, um, what are you doing for flag day this December? I would have been like, no, I don't know. What are you doing for flag day? I don't <laughs> what flag day is. If it's not a day off. Flags and ju- the whole yeah. notion of a flag. I, that's just something I never, uh, flags, country flags. Don't step on the flag. I, you know, Every every flag, day is man. flag day every after day? yeah after uh, starting on uh, sorry starting on September twelfth two thousand and one every day is flag day yeah. yep until That's until right. our di- until we die when I looked up when I looked yep. up flag day's actual date and it's like you know the middle of June I thought how dare they make up like have flag day be six months away from July fourth when it's three weeks before July fourth it's like <laughs> is this just to get me ready to celebrate flags like this is your practice for July fourth you really better get your flag game ready by then like it's it's like the tryout of like hey it's just like how thanksgiving time to put up your uh christmas decorations now flag day i guess is when you're supposed to start putting up your july 4th decorations <laughs> but yes this then leads to a real uh, a real movie meet cute kind of thing here with uh with burns and gloria uh which uh let's let's hear from her uh before we we talk all about this uh really great guest star now see here, Flatfoot. <gasps> My goodness, you're beautiful. Oh, thanks, but I still got to give you the ticket. <laughs> oh, of course you do. You can lift my wiper any day. <laughs> Is it still flag day? For 12 more seconds, sir. Uh, miss, would you submit to a wooing by a gentleman caller? Oh, I'm sorry, but you're really not my... Uh... <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> oh, Freb just did. She said yes. He'll pick you up at seven. Wear a petticoat. Petticoat? Here's a place at Ransom. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, right now in 2001, uh, post-Seinfeld, P- 
people are trying to figure out what to do with her. She's doing some guest roles in places. Uh, things like Curb Your Enthusiasm. She was in A Bug's Life uh, right after Seinfeld ended. And uh, right after this, in spring of 2002, she would be on a two-season sitcom. No, it's not The New Adventures of Old Christine. It's Watching Ellie. That was her 2002 sitcom. And when I saw who was in it, I was like, how was this not a hit? The male counterpart to Julia Louis-Dreyfus is Steve Carell. Oh, wow, man. I've yeah. never heard of this yeah. show. The thing with that watching Ellie that I feel like why it didn't catch on was just the gimmick of what it was, which was, and correct me if I'm wrong remembering this, but I believe the conceit was like every episode ran in real time. Hmm. And even to the point where, God, am I remembering this right? It, there was like a clock in the corner sometimes and you're just like literally watching it so like a thing where your conceit is every episode is in real time that's a hurdle for storytelling you are correct andrew that is the premise wow. of the show yeah, yeah. that's yeah, okay that show yeah. in 24 debut in the same <laughs> fall that's and, crazy. and yes a clock was shown on the screen in real time that's weird Ooh, okay. and also wow. also remember this is like a real a real time for shows with gerunds in the title because there was also judging amy so you had watching ellie <laughs> judging amy what do i want to do tonight but yeah yeah, after that, in 2005, she would be on uh, The New Adventures of Old Christine, which I've never seen, which is a traditional sitcom. A mild hit at five seasons, but after that, Veep, which I hear is amazing. Although I'm afraid to watch it now because I feel like politics has gotten so insane it has always outlapped satire just a few years <laughs> after it happened. So I'm, I'm afraid to watch it. Well, the yeah, I mean, rightfully so, Bob. And the thing about that show specifically, which I did watch and I thought it was totally brilliant, but towards the end of it, I mean they were racing to not be undone by history or outdone by history rather uh and i think if you just watched it now it would just be a seven season douche chill because it's like <laughs> it, it's just our reality yeah. right? and so yeah I, I feel like we need to give it i'm gonna give that show like a good 10 years off the air and then maybe revisit because the writing is fabulous and the performances are really strong and great. And hearing her cursing with Armando Iannucci-esque dialogue is just <laughs> a thing of beauty. Julia Louis-Dreyfus curses uh, with the best of them, but boy, I don't want to be anywhere near that material right now. He, she, she's great. I was trying to see like, oh, I miss, she is really good with uh, kind of a not too greatly written role but she's just awesome i i wondered how much voice work she did and yeah like bob said the the bug's life and then she did this and and also like a one-off appearance in hey arnold uh but after this she didn't do a ton of voice acting until uh she was the mother in onward the uh the pixar film that came out right before everything shut down in, the, <laughs> in america it was the last movie i saw in theaters was that the Chris Pratt voiced? Uh, yes, yeah. Movie? She was the mother okay. of Chris okay. Pratt yeah, and Tom Holland it. in it. Yeah, hmm. I mean, she's playing the typical okay. like, yeah, mom, mom voice, like a car cartoon movie mom, like who's worried about her kids. But she's she should do more stuff because she's great at it. But but now she's unfortunately been subsumed into the Marvel Cinematic <sighs> Universe. Really? I don't know if you know, oh, you don't know this? Did they mom? get her too? They, they did. You somebody hasn't watched Black Widow? Oh, great. Yes. Yeah, she's, <laughs> I didn't. Know. Know about this yeah i didn't 
I didn't understand that stinger scene, Henry. I'll be totally honest. I saw that in theaters. I hung around to the end and was like, all right, don't know what that means. <laughs> well, uh, but then I watched Hawkeye and it kind of like filled things in a little bit, maybe. Uh, basically, she's the new Nick Fury, except she's going to be working with people who are um, a little too rough for the Avengers. That's that's kind of her thing. You know what? If everything is coming back, just bring back Seinfeld. It's fine. I mean, if the Jurassic Park people are coming back now, there, there's no there's no bottom. You know, that's the thing. Seinfeld and Larry David, they're too rich. They don't have to do it. Mm. You know, like they really uh, it it was almost like too real for me to laugh at. But I and too victory lappy. But when they did, uh, I believe it was the 45th anniversary SNL special. uh, They're in the audience and they're joking about how like, oh, yeah, we were the last guys who get to like make a billion dollars off of TV back then. Nobody Mm -hmm. gets to be as rich as us anymore. Pretty sweet, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, like. It's just them agreeing that it's really awesome to be as rich as they are. I do want to comment on this character. So number one, great performance. But number two, a badly written character. And I think they had the same problem they had when they wrote uh, Helen Hunt onto the show. When they have a beautiful, funny woman, they're like, well, let's not make her too wacky. Mm. And another problem they have is we notice this with writing. When men don't know how to write women, they forget to name them. So we don't actually hear her name until the end of the second act. <laughs> right. Which is a big problem. Right. She should say, I'm Gloria. Nice to meet you. Or she. Burns should read her that on her badge or something. We don't hear her Boy. name until Burns proposes. Yep. Boy, you're right. That didn't hit me because well, because Snake says it so much in the third act that, and I think that's just because they like hearing Snake say Gloria. But you're right. I they don't <laughs> say her fucking name. You you introduce a character by getting to know what their name is. Like that's insane. And there's no hook to this character outside of the fact that she's attracted to the wrong kind of men. But other than that, she just kind of sets up jokes for other people, which I think is a misuse of Julia Louis Dreyfus. Oh. Oh, sure. Also, unless I'm misremembering and just forgetting like something later in the episode, and it would be kind of important to the character, don't they just kind of forget that she's also a cop? Absolutely. And in fact, on the commentary, they say her original job was going to be a food truck driver. So it do- that doesn't matter either, because her being a cop has nothing to do. You think that would play into her being in love with a criminal, yes. but it is never even yeah, mentioned exactly. in that scene. Like maybe Snake and Gloria met when she arrested him or something. That could have been like a thread they could have followed. Yep. I know. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it's or like Wiggum should know who she is when she's kidnapped. Like there's not even interaction between her and Wiggum. Like, yeah, her being a cop totally. is meaningless, which is like, then just have her be a food truck person. But though that's also funny hearing them on the commentary, they still call <laughs> They refer to a food truck as a roach coach, which yeah. I'm like, whoa. I had whoa. never heard that uh, before. Yeah, that's that That was before food trucks became a respectable thing uh, that they are now. Was... <laughs> I do, there is in this scene a great visual gag of when Burns is complaining about, oh, that constable's ticketing my car. Like he's so shocked and they cut and the car is just in the middle <laughs> of the street. Uh, yeah, that's great that's good yeah i and i also like the bit or on the commentary there's a funny bit too of like tom gamble one of the writers on simpsons who wrote on seinfeld and is known uh julie louis dreyfus i think since she was on snl in the 80s uh he jokes about how she's married to her old snl uh 
co-star brad is his name and uh they she they mentions tommy gamble says every time he sees him at a party he goes like well the best man won as in <laughs> as in they were both competing over julie louis dreyfus even though there was no competition she was only dating this guy not tom camel hey that's brad hall creator brad of hall. watching ellie of, co- of course of course oh <laughs> look at that whenever uh in the rare times julie louis dreyfus appeared on kirby enthusiasm playing herself brad hall would be on it with her i was like oh yeah that guy should just be in stuff he was a comedy actor i mean i guess hey be a successful house husband of a very very rich and successful wife you know enjoy it not not to linger too long on the seinfeld thing but she definitely escaped the quote-unquote seinfeld curse which is what happens to anyone when you're associated with a character like jason alexander and michael richards they're they're rich beyond belief they never need to work again but they struggled like jason alexander had two more sitcoms i think so did michael richards uh but you know struggles after that yes Yes. that he is very sorry for and jerry seinfeld doesn't need to ever like do anything again but the creative things he's made were like the marriage ref b movie and now he's making a movie about the creation of pop tarts yep yeah that's right larry Larry david should step in breaking news for me right now holy crap what is that a pop tart biopic it's like a biopic of the creator of pop tarts or something yes yeah Yeah. it's uh when that news broke i saw people pointing out like well this this pretty much seals that larry david was the creative one of the two like if you're gonna say who's the better uh yeah no that pop tart thing well i mean too is like his you know that the the coffee and cars with celebrity with comedians like that, i don't consider that a show uh, yes it's just showing off his car <laughs> collection like he's one yeah, sa- oh yeah and then being like very weird to service people yes yeah it's very very strange well and same with like the marriage ref is just born out of like i had a bad argument why wife and i wish somebody was there to tell her she's wrong i need a marriage ref here i wondered how much of that show was him versus tom papa because like tom papa was all i mean he was like the host of it creative credit i think too and it's sort of like how do we get people to watch this uh jerry do you want to put your name on this and kind of come <laughs> hang out tom papa is just episodes? to me tom papa is store brand jim gaffigan <laughs> you want the real thing <laughs> uh, you know and Se- yes i did write off his entire career i'm sorry <laughs> you know you know in seinfeld in the marriage draft too i remember that at the time seinfeld was one of the few guys siding with leno over conan in that and he was just like hey man you know conan the the ratings aren't there you gotta stick with it and people were pointing out like yeah the marriage ref is a big success that is not just being propped up by nbc jerry like it's just a meritocracy for you like again it's like the marriage ref was doing way worse than conan's tonight show but uh you know now they're all very rich so who cares but uh, but yeah, yeah. julie it's Le- funny you said the thing about oh no i don't want to keep us on seinfeld anymore no so. no okay <laughs> Uh, but yes, I also like Smithers. Smithers just knows like, well, if you're going on a date with Burns, you have to wear a petticoat. He expects that. That's what a woman does. We know the person who rents it here. Here's the note. That's good. That, that premier, uh, pre- uh, prepares women for those dates. And the director pointed out on the commentary that they had to basically change Burns' character design because he has like the sloping, angry brow that creates like the angry eyes. But when he's in love, they have to get rid of that. Right. Yeah. To make him look happier. 
No, no more scowl it, or glower. None of his glower powers there for <laughs> it. Uh, now, I, I really like the animation of him dancing off excitedly. It's very not Burns, but it's well done animation. Uh, they, they mentioned this on... There's a oh, sorry, couple J- of good animation bits of him dancing. Yeah, I think there's one later where he's dancing like a Peanuts character. Yeah. He's going home to alert Tarantula Town and President Clinton that he's in love again. <laughs> <laughs> whoop de doo Yeah, so that's... I guess that's another thing of like, once the show's been on this long, you just compare to other episodes that are this like you said this is very similar to mo day telling hunt episode uh in that in fact that even he meets her at night after giving up on a bunch of failed mm. dates very similar to how mo met her as well and this also is like well we've seen burns fall in love too except with marge's mother in a better episode lady bouvier's and lover also marge and marge gets a job oh also that that's yep. where the whoop de doo yeah. thing came that's from right. i thought yeah yeah you're you're correct and uh, ah yeah it's uh i and then they mentioned on the commentary too that they often feel it is forced that they have to cut back to the family going like well i'm glad burns has a his fall in love it's like <laughs> you know you forget that this is the simpsons if you don't cut to them but it's really kind of useless just having them say like oh burns has a date how good but Marge forcing things together, like, that's kind of funny, but also they did it better in the Fear of Flying episode when she's going to have the cat and dog get married because they've been living in sin. Pairing Maggie with a cactus is a, is a health risk, but I like that she knocks it over. Yeah, that's, you shouldn't put a baby <laughs> next to a cactus. It also feels like a slight take that Lisa's beliefs when Lisa says, some people enjoy being alone. And Marge has to be like, no, no. <laughs> and so Burns is on a date. Hey, he's wearing the same casual wear we saw in the old man and the lisa we find out that he's he knew calvin coolidge calvin coolidge has been dead since 1933 just to give you a, a sign of how old burns is though i gotta think like really has burns never dated anyone with natural hair and teeth before like he only dates elderly people that uh, he only remembers those dates oh all right okay you've you've got oh, me there, there. Totally. <laughs> uh but, but i yeah. mean otherwise he's just like a weird granny shagger when he was <laughs> <laughs> uh, you but, do you mr burns uh well that's also you know I, this happens later but i'm with snake i think it's gross that she would have sex with mr burns like I, you should be like you i'm you know i don't it's not right to make judgments all the time on people's you know dating tastes and everything but seriously fuck it fuck a 70 year old man not a, a 104 year old one jesus i, I like that once again his actual age is stated just to let you know that's great i'm really glad she he has like 70 years on gloria a lot of a lot of Scully era ones don't say the official number, but this one they're like, no, we. It feels like they looked it up in the in the character index. Like, no, Burns is 104. We've been saying it for like five seasons now. He's 104. <laughs> but uh, but yes, Burns is on a date. <laughs> You're a nice guy, Monty. You're always laughing and denting your fingers. I like that. <laughs> Excellent. And you're so upbeat. You think everything's excellent. I really feel safe with you. It's like going out with my brother. Yes, it's going (laughs) great. So, what are you into? Into? Yeah, like, what's a fun day for a 104-year-old? Oh, I enjoy all the popular youth trends, like uh, um, piloting motor coaches and uh, collecting dog waste. (laughs) <laughs> and then he winks at her. So he's looking at he's looking around at things to get ideas, and one of them is a guy picking up dog shit. 
Oh, uh, that's great. You actually, you don't normally see dog shit on a Simpsons episode, but you see it for like five frames here to pick it up. But I, I love Burns saying like, it's going great. Like that, that gave me a good chuckle. It did. <laughs> and by the way, this is Bob Mackey's NRBQ watch. I got an alert for all of you out there. So uh, Mike Scully, as we know, NRBQ is his favorite band. He works them into as many episodes as he can. There are two appearances in this episode. One is about one second of music we hear when Gloria is dropping off Mr. Burns and it's uh, the song Everybody Thinks I'm Crazy from their 1994 album Message for the Mess Age. We'll hear them again in a montage later. But yeah, Mike Scully's making sure his friends get paid. I can't one second of that song and like why not it just be the song that's going to be in the montage later? Why must he give NRBQ another pay? I feel like there had to be some kickback scheme here going with NRBQ. (laughs) He wants to get these guys paid and you know what? This is not on the Simpsons wiki we're finding this out for the first time yeah. this is not listed in the list of NRBQ songs we found some other ones too I think there's like 11 times he's used this band in his four seasons yeah Bob you are the chief, chief investigative journalist on this <laughs> NRBQ thing I'm gonna I find the man. link I never because even on the like uh, soundtrack if you there's specific websites for like here's every song that's in this episode of a TV show and they list the obvious one that's on the montage but this one second of a song that obviously nobody other than Mike Scully is heard of by nrbq nobody recognizes it and lists it on the thing like you have to just hear the lyric and then assume it's nrbq and then search nrbq everybody thinks i'm crazy oh that is a song they did mm-hmm. there it is <laughs> <laughs> unless they are charging him like t- five thousand a song or something i just don't understand why they're used this much other than just mike scully loves these guys <laughs> but i i do at least like that you see gloria's reasoning is oh she misreads everything about Burns and thinks him tending his fingers and saying excellent is being endlessly positive. Like that. Gloria has to be really stupid, and I wish they would have made her a, a clearly a sicko. Like she's into all this weird stuff, and maybe yes. that turns Burns off or something. There needs to be more to her, and it's weird that she comes back when she's such a nothing character. You know, as the show as the show goes on, you know, I feel it's like oh, let's kind of keep them in the rotation in case there's like you know. 10 years from now, a Gloria episode or something like that. You know, just that notion of like, you know, now we're doing Burns, uh, you know, episodes more, but like there weren't Burns centric episodes earlier as much, you know, so like you got to keep that roster, uh, you know, stuffed and. Who knows when someone's going to need a Gloria-centric episode? I, I think in season 19 and 20 when they brought her back, I think it really is they decided Snake needed a nagging wife. They're like, <laughs> you know what? Snake's not... We're we're entering nagging wife zone of Simpsons here, which is not not everybody's favorite zone not of really. Simpsons era. Yeah, so like, I mean, there's there's it in the third act, but it's just this feeling of like, my wife wants too much. Why does she want me to go out all the time? I wish she'd shut up. <laughs> I do like Burns naming old things you would do on a date, like grousing, which I believe is hunting, hunting grouse specifically, and her sing, uh, singing while playing the clavichord. That's great. Which, you know, that reminded me of like, uh, uh, Andrew, have you seen The Power of the Dog yet? Yep. Oh, yeah. I love like the old timey feel of it that they're just like, well, yeah, we we bought the equivalent of a weave sports here. We bought a piano and you're going to play the piano and entertain for the governor. Like the governor's (laughs) here. Sing and play the piano. 
totally. Someone has traveled miles to hear you play a piano as the entertainment uh, before dinner or after. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like anticipated too. You know, yeah. like, holy shit, she's gonna do what? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, play the piano. Like, yeah, that it's not. It's like you're about to show somebody a YouTube video that's really cool. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I love the power that all captures that of like, well, you know, they don't have record players yet. What the fuck are they gonna do? Like, we we bought a piano and you're the wife play and sing come on yep. the governor's waiting get to it totally and, and it's like you know when she you know it's not a particular spoiler but like when she can't bring herself to play then it's like well the entertainment's done so i guess now the the night is completely over we're just gonna go home now <laughs> yeah well you know it's a it's a seven hour drive back so we're just gonna head out yep. here so see you later <laughs> oh well yeah that's uh that movie uh, if you want to see somebody playing the piano and singing you'll see that in power of the dog hmm. but uh, that's a good movie that's a good i, I well <laughs> the power of the dog in this episode is that he's he enjoys gum oh yeah and that's his a, power a, a dog stole gum <laughs> that is such a because obviously there is no reason for homer to enter this story here and i, I wonder for like a, when i first saw this i thought oh is the episode going to be like homer uh is now just a fortune cookie writer like no absolutely not he chases this dog out of that plot yes yeah in, and into Burns's plot for no other reason he's in Burns's neighborhood than he's chasing a dog that stole his gum. Like, it's so ridiculous that that's perfectly unnatural to get Homer into this story. And uh, and that Burns then calls him up. There's one of my young chums. Like, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I, like, they, they also forget with Burns sometimes to get Smithers in on the act. And that's what happened in the Loch Ness episode. It yeah. should have been like, that's Homer Simpson, sir. He's one of your blanks from Sector 7G. And he's mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't care who he is. He's my new best friend or whatever I, I at least acknowledge that smithers knows who this is you know also playing to your point bob about them making gloria so stupid and like homer comes up to him and like literally refers to him as mr burns and it's like well if you were truly good friends with this person why are you addressing him as mr burns <laughs> And you know what? There could have been some comedy of Smithers trying. There could have been more comedy of Smithers trying to be a wingman and failing because he doesn't want Burns to succeed. And also, he's not a rowdy, youthful, straight guy like Homer is portrayed in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yes homer becomes a wingman in a very uh for its time moment here it's not important how old you are on parchment it's how old you feel in the humors i'm sorry monty stop that dog it has my gum look there's one of my young chums now you there uh, uh, yes mr burns tell my young sweetheart here of uh, youthful exploits um play along chubsy there's a pie in it for you <gasps> oh yeah, Monty's a wild man. Yeah, whoa. Oh. He ran his own casino, stole the Loch Ness Monster, got shot by a baby, and blotted out the sun. Wow, that was you? So, shall I pick you up a date? Well... Come on, he's a total player. Okay, stop kicking my door. <laughs> <sighs> well done, young man. Your youthful trendiness will come in handy throughout the courting process. Because these days, you... D Where did you get that pie? Window sill. 
<laughs> some good old lady argle bargle that's great yeah i i love that burns is about to describe the plot of the episode well you'll be uh, you'll be because these days they just it gets interrupted by homer eating pie that's so good but <laughs> so at this point homer his entire uh, like uh burns helping gig has been paid for in full there's no reason why homer should be hanging out with burns there's nothing yeah. hanging over his head he's just always helping him now yeah that one pie was so delicious there's no payment he's just doing it for free i there's some good stuff in here of like i like homer trying to bro out with burns and it just smashes burns to the ground like he can't get take a like slug in the arm and uh, and also that that gloria despite living in springfield she needs to be told like oh remember all that crazy stuff that happened here well that was it. like her going like wow that was you like you'd remember he ran the, <laughs> that he had the loch ness monster <laughs> also that homer says shot by a baby not even i think i like to think homer forgot that it was his baby <laughs> that shot burns yeah well it's sort of like that running gag of him constantly forgetting that maggie exists anyway in one way or another so oh, it's yeah. sort of like played into that a oh, baby <laughs> and uh also i love homer like kicking her door it's like he's kicking her shin except he's kicking her door and it's like <laughs> messing it up homer uh decides he's gonna be burns's wingman and again in a very like uh single guy sitcom kind of style and i will say you know if your partner uncharacteristically buys new underwear for themselves you should suspect them of cheating you know mm-hmm. what like hey who are you getting dressed up for what's going on here or they listen to podcasts and found an offer code <laughs> that's why they got that new one yeah. how else well how else will i wick away my sweats it's true it's man. not gonna wick away itself and nothing's wicking away my sweat these days i need to <laughs> But I mean, doesn't Homer look weird wearing full boxers? Like he just, he should always be wearing like painted on very tight uh, white yeah. briefs. Yeah. It's like a, just a texture on his yeah. body. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the way they draw the uh, back to his regular underwear and just like crumbling and hanging on by a thread. And mm. that li- that line was another scream laugh for me of these could stop Joan Collins herself. <laughs> oh yeah. Boy, the, but these are some dusty, <laughs> dusty jokes The uh, Joan Collins joke followed by a trip to the disco yes like- that's great i i love the date in his side. and also you know in the uh tale of two cities episode they also talked all about joan collins like that for homer and all the other guys there they seem to think jones collins is like joan collins is the sexiest or horniest lady around <laughs> they, ca- they say they're giving us the old jo- joan collins special <laughs> also you know in the scully years he really loved homer's disgusting underwear like in natural born kissers homer's underwear is disgusting Covered by a dog and it, it it scars him so much he runs away uh they use homer's <laughs> giant underwear as a false flag in the capture the flag game right uh like, i think in children of a lesser Claude, they show the video of homer drunk under the christmas tree oh yes. and the dog comes up and sniffs his ass and like runs away soiled underwear there too yes it's <laughs> homer's underwear got increasingly more disgusting in the scully years yeah not not that it was great underwear before but uh and so yes uh, they head to the disco a very dated disco it's the stew's disco it's the second appearance of stew's disco i kept thinking it's the first one but it's the second uh and that uh, if you want to see that sign in real life go to universal studios hollywood you you can't go inside stew's disco but they do recreate the neon sign pretty well there it's it's really interesting oh and uh, the, 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 the front says 
closed until disco comes back in style that's uh <laughs> it's really great you know universal hollywood they're so close to being like the perfect simpsons ride destination but little bits like that of like you know what we're this neon sign joke we can just build that neon sign and have it go on and mm. off in in the two positions and as as al Jean said when they opened that place up they're like it's so crazy to see a joke you came up with in five minutes be a giant <laughs> display that you can just walk by now in a theme park people had to build it yes it was some it's guys so like weird like because that's a um it's tough because it's a good sign gag and i you know i miss the good sign gags but at the same time it's that thing that i do struggle with with as the show goes on like i love that disco stew was just some weirdo that would turn up <laughs> here and there like at the garage sale or whatever and didn't know like he possibly runs this business like i don't give a shit like stop <laughs> spelling out like making lies for all these people similarly like i was kind of playing around with some uh, later episodes just for fun because i do check back in every now and again and you know i went to a couple of season 32 episodes which was truly mind-blowing for a lot of reasons but just learning things like comic book guys got a wife and a child and like and that's <laughs> what i was sort of touching on earlier was like so now we can have comic book guy episodes like who gives a shit <laughs> I, it's just i i can't get down for those decisions i feel like there's there has not yet been a disco stew focused episode not a full one there's yet, been like they, four oh, there's okay. been like three or four comic book guy episodes at this point i love comic book guy now but no i though i i'm with you andrew that just even giving him like a uh, a place of business like disco stew seems like such a fuck up that he could not own a business <laughs> like he wouldn't own right, a nightclub yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has no bookkeeping skills there's yeah. no way uh, but as uh, we go into the club, Burns is dancing like a Peanuts character, which is kind of random. But uh, it's uh, though I like him saying that, like the, when she says you can really shake it, and he's like, "Oh yes, that's totally voluntary." <laughs> and man, all the ladies in their nightclub looks—they are—they are sexy. Mean, meanwhile, they draw Mr. Burns like he's Mr. Furley from Three's Company. <laughs> he's got a leisure suit and a medallion. It's real easy comedy, but you don't see these jokes anymore. Yes, yeah. I, you know, I prefer the these jokes with kirk van houten and his laser shoot suit and medallion uh Ooh, that was a good design for kirk absolutely but uh but yeah burns uh he's he's on the date with homer at this uh trendy club well it's going pretty well actually i can't when she all right i'll just play this clip here because again i'm like where is the turn in gloria's opinion on burns here <laughs> i just don't really track it <sighs> dread I wish that song were longer. <laughs> I've got to admit, you can really shake it. Oh, yes, it's totally voluntary. So, you guys come here all the time? Oh, uh, constantly. When we're not being kicked out for our rowdy youthful behavior, eh, Pally? Yep, no one's rowdier or more youthful than old man Burns. You mean young man Burns? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hand on her knee. Yes, Mr. Burns. I said her, and I said knee. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, so Homer put Burns' hand on his penis. I, I love that. Yeah. That joke could be worth the entire episode because you have to think about <laughs> it for a second. You're like, wait, oh, okay, yeah. And like, you can't really, I mean, they give enough indication in the animation what's happening, but yeah, uh, Homer put Burns' hand on his penis. <laughs> 
It is, I think, the best joke of the episode. And it's a it's a weird, like, that was a line that, you know, in, in my, you know, social circle, we would just toss out, you know. And seeing it here, I was like, oh, holy shit, this is where this one is from. Because my, like, you know, constant rewatching really stops around, like, 11, maybe. Generally 10, but sometimes I'll dabble in 11. And it was just one of those eye-opening, like, ah, that's why we said that so much. <laughs> I, I also love Homer's bad wingman line of, like, no one is rowdier or more youthful than old man Burns. <laughs> but, okay, but then Gloria makes the turn. She's, like, she is really, like, into him. He's, like, you mean young man Burns? And, like, rubs up on him, like, wait, what happened here? Why, why is Gloria into him just because of what Homer just said? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Again, they need to make Gloria a sicko or perhaps like a third act twist could be like she's trying she wants to kill burns and take his money or something exactly something's going but i That's mean like something she needs to be more defined because she's she's stupid and she is whatever the plot needs the, her to do yeah, basically I, I don't understand this bit of like they just make it about burns's age he is extremely rich and a woman i he could find a woman who would want to date an extremely rich person that's i mean i think they i think that those women exist you know <laughs> but but here it's just why does she want to have sex with him i just don't get it i mean it, like even if he is, seems more youthful around homer who would have sex with mr burns i just don't <laughs> understand it she I, must have brain damage or something i don't understand it <laughs> Uh, but uh, so the episode on the DVD, there's only one deleted scene, uh, and it. I would have figured because the I would have figured the deleted scenes would have been in Act Three because Lisa and Marge show up for no reason. Bart shows up to deliver one line. Yeah, She's like I'm here now. <laughs> but but no, the only deleted scene is actually in the club, and I kind of wish they'd have kept it just because it was current for the time. It's about Jello shots. It's a joke okay. about jell- then current Jello shots. Oh. So basically they order jello shots for the table uh and homer's excited about it and hey i love jello shot you know i love sweet alcohol bob i i love it but too much work <laughs> just drink just drink alcohol uh but come on it's you can bring out a whole tray of I'm them you, and you're bob. the life of the party but but so <laughs> gloria and homer shoot him easy burns though it is a cube of jello and he puts it in his mouth and the cube is too pointy for him and he has to spit it out he's like oh too sharp i, I like that joke i like I, any I, like age-based joke for burns yeah yeah and that that jello is too too uh, crusty or too sharp for him i i like that bit there they then have homer uh carrying them up to the bedroom it's a fun little zoom out on them i do kind of wish they had you know rudolph valentino i've heard of him like i i almost feel feel like it should be a deeper cut than uh of uh, like the man who's standing and walking you know mm-hmm. that that'd be uh, right. rory calhoun that's somebody i've never heard of who i have to google rudolph Valentino. it's almost just too famous for for a old man burns reference that's the thing right and as these you know the show goes on that was a thing that kind of turned me off from a lot of the you know more recent stuff is like it gets more uh accessible and mm-hmm. i always appreciated you know knowing full well that i was watching shit where it was like i have no clue what that is 
And, you know, sure, then the internet came along and you can look stuff up if you want to. But, like, it was just fun not being in on everything, but knowing that that's, like, intentional. And mm. you're totally right. Like, yeah, Valentino, one of the fucking, you know, biggest stars of that time. Like, people will know that name, even if you haven't seen any of his films. And I feel like that's just, like, you know, making it more, making the show more accessible in a way that I, I just did not need to ever become. I prefer hearing Burns mention the Ritz brothers again, like somebody <laughs> you've never heard of or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm too distracted by the fact that like Burns fucks now. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I, well, first off, yeah. like I like on the commentary, they say that they had a lot of fun in the writer's room saying that when they get to this scene, they would write a scene where Homer takes care of business for Burns in the bedroom as well. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that would make him too unlikable. Yeah. But, but in this case, they basically do a Viagra joke without Viagra and I almost it makes total sense that Burns would have like some old man pheromone in place of Viagra I kind of wish Homer would do a joke of like you could just get a Viagra prescription you know Mr. Burns you don't have to do animal pheromones anymore <laughs> but but yeah okay I mean Mr. Burns no matter how much extra stamina he's got I mean one he has a mockable genitalia but hey you know it, you can make up for that with other things in the bedroom I'm not saying but but like no matter how much stamina he's given like what can he do really with his limited energy and brittle bones <laughs> I mean they're like no cowgirl position know. happening in this bedroom <laughs> is what I'm saying here guys <laughs> Well, I'm wondering, Henry, because you sort of inspired a thought in in my sick skull that you know when the they were joking about the the notion of Homer helping out in the bedroom, I instantly pictured. I don't know, like if there's a official name for it, but I've seen folks talk about it. We've joked it on uh, joked about it on We Hate Movies too. The Mormon um, soaking thing, <laughs> right, yes. uh, combined combined with the third party bed jumping. Yes. So I'm picturing Homer could just be jumping you know to help mr burns move the mattress or something oh my god man i i mean this was the style of the time we we're in the gross out comedy age in 2001 but I, yeah. I don't like the idea of mr burns entering this young woman <laughs> just the i well it's well, truly disturbing well and again as we know about his mockable genitalia size like he's getting one inch in there at most like you know i not like <laughs> this episode is disgusting sorry not to get too gross here i that soaking thing too i had not uh that that's the craziest shit that like that yeah yeah I, but my last thing yeah, on google this google it listeners if you're gonna go this far with mr burns and you're gonna put this in our heads we need to see like the afterglow of burns and gloria like what's going on what has sex done to mr <laughs> yeah. burns yeah we're robbed of that joke you put yeah. it in our heads you put you put it in our heads is much worse than what you could have put on the screen yeah i would rather see them post-coital yep. yeah i uh, <laughs> so yeah and then uh they have a great joke that homer sees burns in inject himself with stuff and then homer picks up a used needle and puts it in his arm which is so funny that apparently the the sensor would not allow them to show homer literally inject himself so it like cuts right before it would go into his veins oh. which uh i think it's a slightly family guy joke that the whole family hears homer fuck but the hard cut to homer like drooling and running marge up the staircase together <laughs> and that yeah that they that they had a very intense love making session after that like <laughs> even the even the widowed flanders heard it. <laughs> the his oh, Ned's wow great wow yeah <laughs> wow 
Yeah, that Homer uh, Homer really took it to the hoop that night. Maude is uh, not there to help him fish Homer's pants out of the tree. That's true, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, you know what? If we could ask Marge, like, okay, Marge, which was a better night when you had the, the grandpa's tonic sex or the pocket fox aphrodisiac sex? Which, which was a better laying pipe session, Marge? I wonder... <laughs> I this feel episode. like the the grandpa tonic was like it was a powerful session, but there was also like a lot of uh, love and care given. This uh, fox pheromone thing, it is just straight fucking <laughs> uh, no talking, all business. You know, the, the word strap yourself in and feel the jeez, <laughs> feel the jeez. The yeah. word the word railed comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, yeah. we're having a lot of fun today uh, you know i also i don't like the idea of mar i don't like that bart and lisa heard marge and homer have loud sex that that disturbs me i don't let's like let's cut that. to maggie with pacifiers in her ears sure yeah yes. <laughs> uh, uh, we need, uh, well this, henry if you if you experience that it is quite a fucking horrifying thing to live through i'll leave yeah. it at that uh i've well i i lived i lived in an apartment complex with thin walls and i did have to hear it on like three occasions I did not like hearing neighbors have sex, especially especially when I was in a bit of a dry spell. Mm. It made it made it even less wanted to hear. Um, well, mom and dad are moving furniture again. What's going on up there? Uh, so yes, we then cut to um, the afterglow. We see of Burns is that he's just happy at the plant the next day, and uh, Carl says, "Watch me take advantage of his good mood," and he gets fired instantly. Mm-hmm. Clean out your desk. You're gone. Well, I had a good run. But... And then more NRBQ. <laughs> Motherfucking NRBQ. it's the song i don't if i don't have you from their 1988 album you gotta be loose you can put together a greatest hits compilation based on what's on the simpsons i know of their catalog it's it's like mike scully made you a mixtape via via his four years of running (laughs) the simpsons i believe it's the last one i don't think there's in blunder years i don't think there's an nrbq song so i think this might Mm. be our farewell to the band nrbq at at long last i think Mm. uh this uh there's some really good animation in this especially like what a great reveal that you see burns and gloria in the lady in the tramp shot and then the the face turn on burns to reveal the straw taped to his face so that apparently burns is so aged he couldn't even eat spaghetti like that would kill him and so homer (laughs) is eating it for him uh, and Gloria has oh, to yeah. overlook Old people. No solid foods, you know. Gloria has to overlook a lot to fall in love with Burns. Like, why yes. is there a tube taped to your face, <laughs> yes. honey? And again, like, well, I, I just, I mean, how could it be fun to have sex with him? Why would you want to do that more than once? I don't understand. Gloria is just in a normal relationship with him where they have sex regularly. And this guy, don't... maybe, maybe she wants to get Homer in on it, and he's not taking the hints. Uh, maybe she keeps saying like, mm. Burns, could you just ask Homer? To, to join us and Burns just doesn't get it I can see that go he doesn't know what the term into means he wouldn't know what a menage a trois means as well which we all learned from uh, the, uh, the Seinfeld episode as we all learned. but that's right uh, but yes uh, I also like during this montage Burns dies during it I do like that like, <laughs> yes. Bober notices he's dead and he has to shock him back to life which that's why later when he says I could be dead again soon that happened in the montage he's <laughs> right. like yeah, I was dead too minutes earlier in this episode so i could die again (laughs) i forgot about that uh and and you know guys mike scully he wrote the pin pals episode so of course he's taking it back to the bowling alley he loves that bowling and and burns loves bowling (laughs) 
as we uh, learned don't, in... you can't skip that one of these times so. <laughs> uh, but uh but yes they uh as they're going bowling uh burns makes his move you're going to ask her to marry you isn't it wonderful i'm head over heels in love are you sure you want to do this so fast yes my biological clock is ticking i could be dead again <laughs> soon Wait, my dear. I think you'll find that red ball more engaging. Hmm? <gasps> Monty, it's beautiful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Gloria, say you'll marry me. I'll marry you. Oh, spectacular. Now we must celebrate. I'll get some champignona. <laughs> this is the happiest day of my life. Nothing could spoil it. Absolutely nothing. Dum de dum dum dum. <laughs> okay. Gun, check. Dollar sign bag, check. Power bar, check. <laughs> All right, let's rob this bowling alley. Okay, whatever. <laughs> that was uh, something that was off of his checklist. Yeah. Well, what's a rob? Uh, also, Gloria, we hear her name for the first time 14 minutes in. That's so funny. I Ugh. Also, I don't know, like, what is Julia, what's her Dreyfus's direction when she says, of course I'll marry you. Like, is she trying to sound like Burns? Like, I, I don't understand that delivery. Uh. Like, I guess it's supposed to be infatuated, but I know she could do a more natural delivery. So I, I guess earlier she said excellent, like Burns says excellent. So maybe it's just, she's taking on his affectations, but it's just hearing it isolated there for a second. I was like, wait, why does she say it like that? It sounds like mocking, but she, the character means it. Yeah. Yeah, she does want to marry him. It's kind of weird because hearing all of these lines of hers in isolation, because I was kind of thinking it last night and then I was like, no, 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 you're wrong. But listening to them now, I don't know if there was something she was going for this whole time. I mean, it just doesn't sound like her. And I don't know if that's just like some post kind of cleaning it up and maybe, you know, sort of just modulating a little bit or something. But this hearing it back like it just doesn't sound like her and yeah. i'm trying to figure out what it is and i'm sort of stumped by it it feels like they kept the funniest take regardless of the intentionality of it which is why she's all over the place both in the writing and the performance in terms of like who is this person what's wrong with her uh, right right i also i i didn't get it in there but the way burn says back in about my dear we have to expel some urine that's a good little gag and also that homer wants some ice cream he's already finished his pizza so again burns is just paying homer with free food like that's all he does (laughs) uh and yeah it's uh it is a very third act thing of snakes showing up but they say that was in like their original script like it doesn't it's not them throwing out a third act as they did so many times in a scully thing and then in the rewrite adding snake or whatever but uh i think also in this era though scully preferred snake to burns like snake shows up in more much more often than you would think in in the scully years like this isn't even the first time homer and him have, have like nearly died in battle like in the scully <laughs> yeah. years it's actually like the third or fourth time if you count a, uh, a treehouse episode snake is uh, more proactive mm, exactly yeah just like poochie <laughs> he's getting things done man he almost snaps homer's neck like and, and break and kills him in in the battle over the car snake is on a new level of violence 
it's like snake always like robs places but this snake is like yeah i kill people i i have i have bodies yeah. on me a snake i'm not just somebody who beats people up a little bit i'm a murderer it's a new le- like when he says i stabbed a guard i was like wow that's a new level for snake there yeah but uh making this feel very late 90s now it becomes an episode about why the girls always like the bad boys mm. like we're all mr burns in this moment yes yeah <laughs> but uh but yes uh gloria and homer get kidnapped by snake in this next clip mm, you're looking good baby why did we ever break up You pushed me out of a moving car? The cops were chasing us. I needed to lighten the load and um, protect you. (laughs) Come on, baby. We can talk more at my hideout. No, I'm engaged now. (gasps) My ring? Let go of her or I'll scream. (laughs) (laughs) Kaloo Kalei, we're in luck. They had a magnum at the shoe counter. Now for... (gasps) Gloria? A ring. Well, she's run off with Simpson. <laughs> a non-wacky uh, act break, yeah, I guess. it's actually a dramatic act break. I think I kept that in there, too. I was like, oh, wait, it's just dramatic. It's but This uh, Barney's Bolarama carries a magnum of champagne under the I shoe counter. That. Like, yeah, which... Uh, I guess if someone bowls a 300, you want enough for uh, to give everyone champagne? Man. Oh, totally. A magnum, that... Yeah, that's a liter and a half. That is a double-sized champagne, right? I read that it, it can serve 12. Wow, man. I mean, Homer will make quick work of that, really, I think. Yeah, it serves 12 <laughs> drinking politely. <laughs> uh, also, it's a real kind of olive oil situation there of snake kidnapping uh, her. She's like, no, no. <laughs> Homer uh, screams more like olive oil. That's true, yeah. Dan really earned his... I hope he got some screaming bonuses for this episode because he has to shriek quite a lot here. I like that the third act opens with the establishing shot of the Simpsons home because you think you're going to see that and actually it's Homer drives by it and then it can't stop. I just wanted to escape. Yeah, I love that. Jeez, I just want to escape, man. And I love the way he she says, no, I my boyfriend's Mr. Burns. Homer just comes along at our dates and carries us up to the bedroom <laughs> it's <laughs> acknowledging how poorly written this character is it's just like yeah why why like why yeah. is she going along with any of this what normal woman is party to this yeah this the uh, this gross man carries me and my elderly husband into the room where he <laughs> injects himself with a potion every night to have normal sex that snake is grossed out by it like as he should be like snake should be disgusted i, I hate to put judgment on this but if any friend of mine or our former partner was having having sex with a mr burns type i would be like you i would say you what are you doing what happened what's wrong do you need help i'll help you like let's talk to somebody stop having sex with mr burns very wild to have snake be the voice of reason in an episode yes we'll, we'll buy you some younger sex <laughs> yes look i'll pay for it you know it just not yeah. to, uh and then yeah it's a very for homer to misread pistol whip as like eating cool whip out of the jar like it it almost feels like them trying to like intentionally call back to season four but i think it's really the pink background makes it perfect to me and also of course homer sticking a mouth gun end first like bu- muzzle 
end first in his mouth is funny. It's just cool if you eat with a gun. Yes. And uh, by the way, he is pistol whipped a bunch later. Yes. Yeah. It's it's so. <laughs> was season four? You mentioned uh, season four. Was that Cartridge Family? Oh no, no, that's season nine. I'm just saying, in in a season four style, that's when they really did a oh. bunch of cutaways and and uh, yeah, thought balloons and all got that. It, got yeah. it. Got it. Because but... Homer using the gun as a spoon reminded me of Cartridge <laughs> Family in the sense of like he's using it to turn off the TV and turn the lights off in his house and just that hilarious thing of like it's a tool that's now true it's my spoon for my weird treat <laughs> we're not too far away from uh new kids on the black where uh guns were used to turn off like switches oh yes <laughs> and yeah. to push buttons that's right yeah yeah and same one well, also you know the uh six years after this in the movie wiggum is eating donuts with his gun right he almost shoots himself in the face <laughs> oh yeah uh, but uh, but so then the news is reporting on it. And in my memory, I was like, yeah, the family sees this reported on TV. And that's why they end up at the thing. Like, no, no, it's just right. it's just news reporting. It. I kept thinking like, okay, then it must be a deleted scene. Not in the deleted scenes on the DVD either. Marge should say, Mr. Burns is in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Who's minding the Mr. Burns store? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. But yes, here's Brockman reporting on it. Local authorities are confident the killer bees are just curious and won't bother us if we don't bother them. On a serious note, two local residents have been missing for the last 20 minutes. We take you now live to Barney's Bolorama <laughs> and the last man who saw them see Montgomery Burns. They don't understand. She was my young, sexy fiancé. He was my sexually virile best friend and they just drove off in my Bugatti Sexorosa. How could this ever have happened? <laughs> Well, according to our audience Instapoll, 46% say you're too old. And 37% say she's a skank. She's a skank. What a, what a 2001 lighting reading there. Skank. Like, she's a skank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and Bugatti Sexorosa, I believe a reference to a Ferrari Testarossa. Mm. So. Bugatti is a real car brand. I think you can buy a car from them for like $3 million. Uh, oh, okay. I'm not a co- I should be playing I'll Gran Turismo right 7. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, I do like that the news is instantly on top of it, though. I do like that. And uh, and then comes another big moment in the show as we're driving along with uh, with Snake and uh, Homer and Gloria. We arrive at Snake's house, and on the mailbox, it says, Snake, parenthetical, a.k.a. Jailbird, making public an internal argument in the writer's room since uh, season three of the show in Black Widower. And so, yes, in, in case you're new to Simpsons lore, in the original script in his first appearance in season two, he is named Jailbird in the script. And no one says his name out loud in season and for his later appearances, he'll be referred to as Jailbird in the script. But in Black Widower, when Sideshow Bob is in jail and he's saying goodbye to people, he says, uh, I'll miss you, Snake. He is speaking to Jailbird and he calls him Snake. And so he's Snake in the show from then on. But in the writer's room, the super hardcores are like, no, he's Jailbird. We still call him Jailbird. So this AKA Jailbird is making it, making it now canon that he is both of those names in, in the Simpsons universe. Which I always prefer Snake. He's got a snake tattoo. It's fun just to hear him called Snake and then be re- reply with, Buh? Yeah. 
I got. I miss that. One, Jill, yeah. One thing they don't argue about is that uh, the sea captain is just called the sea captain, but he was established as Captain McAllister, which yeah. never stuck around. Yeah. yeah. That first episode, he's Captain McAllister, and then he's just nope, sea captain from then on. And yeah. Snake is one of those guys they named like three other times. So he was like Chester Snake Turley, Snake Jailbird, Albert Knickerbocker, Aloysius Snake. They 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 forgot that they had named him before. So like, no, uh, here's his name, and then it's like, uh, oh wait, we did it before. Do we name him? No, we haven't. Let's make him a funny new name for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and in his place, there's all types of uh, fancy things. He's got Oscars he's got the Maltese Falcon they even drew like shelves of bongs that one when I paused and saw I was like wow they got bongs on I mean it's pretty boring in America bongs now it's uh, it's it's fairly legal in, in a lot of states but back in 2001 getting bongs on TV still still a tough thing to do on network TV they snuck it in and uh, and also them. <laughs> also I think I read this on on a wiki I think it's possible when he asked who'd you have to kill to get a place like this and he says i think his name was gustafson that is the name this shack is not unlike where they hide out in fargo and gustafson is the name of one of the people killed in oh, fargo really okay so i do wonder yeah. if it is a fargo the movie reference i wonder by the way that's wow, that, that would be kind of cool yeah that's a good the the serious ned episode that's a pair the recent one that's a parody of the fargo tv show i like it i think it's a good it's a good episode parodying the fargo tv show I don't know how great it is if you haven't really watched the Fargo TV show. I think but. it's good and I've not seen the TV okay, show, right. but I do want to see it. <laughs> Which like season are they um referencing? I mean, cuz they're all kind of so different you know it's mostly the first season of fargo it's it's mostly the uh-huh. and man yeah. a, and a little of the season two flashback stuff so it's uh it's it's uh mainly okay. one and two not much three in there yeah got it got it but uh, did anyone peer in snake's place uh the because i was looking around i always love the detail i don't remember when it was dropped that he like played lacrosse at one point so i was looking for like a <laughs> lacrosse stick somewhere in the hideout like <laughs> And I was looking like, oh, was he like a goalie? Was there a big one somewhere? <laughs> but I, I didn't uh, notice any, unfortunately. You know, there's not his diploma from Middlebury as well either, which has been previously established. He went there <laughs> and has, has student loans. <laughs> I looked up this fact that you uh, told us, Andrew, and that is in uh, the Trios of Horror segment, Hell to Pay. Uh, and that's when they're they're electrocuting okay. him like on like a uh, reality show or whatever. And they're like giving facts about him. Snake played lacrosse at Ball State University. <laughs> right. There that's you go. <laughs> Ball State. That's right. <laughs> and yeah, Ed McMahon is, is like announcing his execution. He executes too. him, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> uh, but as they're being held captive, it also turns into like this nagging woman kind of jokes here is, uh, as Gloria lets Snake know, he's being so predictable. Let me guess. Now you're going to start working him over with the brass knuckles. You are so predictable. You know it would be surprising? A foot massage. Shut up. Don't! Beating a man to a bloody pulp isn't going to impress me. It used to. What if I beat him harder? Wow, you so don't get it. Um, has the ship sailed on my foot massage suggestion? No! Don't worry, Mr. Burns. We'll track down Simpson with your vehicle's anti-theft system. Car gone. Car gone. Yeah, we know that. Where has it gone to? Car gone! Car gone! Car gone! Uh, Chief, this yokel says he saw Simpson driving out near Hickton. Yo-ho, my peepers don't lie. That's nice work, Lou. Lock him up. Huh? <laughs> hey! 
Hey, I want that lawyer what wears a cowboy hat. <laughs> and by the way, that's not a reference to any specific lawyer. If you type in cowboy hat lawyer, you'll see like half of so- Southern lawyers wear cowboy hats in their ads. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was curious. I I couldn't uh, find when I when I Google that too. I was like, no, there's just a bunch of lawyers like that. I I <laughs> but I do love. I think also that's very realistic. Like, oh yeah, the cops arrested the guy who helped him. They'd be like, oh thanks, <laughs> you can put him in jail. Like, oh that. And also yes, the uselessness of that anti theft car. Uh, the car gone car gone and you're right Henry they never see these news broadcasts from Kent so like Lisa shows up yes. Lisa is first on the scene like don't shoot my father yeah it's uh, even though this is like way out in the sticks like I had to drive pretty far they're in Hickton as uh, Lou says <laughs> right Hickton uh, and yeah that. Uh, but yes this is the usual like nagging female partner to men in, in the, this era of Simpsons of just saying like oh so predictable you're just gonna beat him with brass knocks uh al Jean makes the great point that like if you were ever pistol whipped once in your life it'd be like scar you forever and you'd you'd be crying about it still because it's like so so horrible if you were tied to a chair and smacked in the face with a with a pistol but for homer he just laughs it off he's seen worse but yeah, so the the cops have surrounded the place. It's really crazy seeing Lou with his uh, hat backwards, like this giant sniper rifle trained <laughs> on Homer. Uh, but I love the line of him saying, "Like I think I got a clear shot." It's like, yeah, he's tied to a chair. Of course, you have a clear shot at him. <laughs> at uh, least has to say, no, that means he's a hostage. That's great. Like they would have just shot. Yeah. They would have just shot and killed Homer if Lisa wasn't there. Which uh, you know, the cop shooting the wrong guy in a hostage situation that would never happen in real life and, and you know not in, oh um, silly comedy show yeah but <laughs> what, what a silly arching up of a, see just like we said with veep like these jokes about like police malpractice and brutality like it's just we've we've eclipsed it 10 t- times 10 already it's <laughs> but <laughs> uh but yes uh, then they then uh threatened to turn on the 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 fire hoses like come on snake you don't want me to soak all these people <laughs> and uh, i also forgot that in this episode eddie gets shot while, while like i mean you're not used to a regular of the cops getting shot in the <laughs> arm like he's taking it well though yeah it's like yeah. ow 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 just a flesh wound <laughs> but, uh, yeah also i mean snake would again i was thinking like oh snake shot a cop he's never getting out of jail again no like, that's that's the end of snake and you're, you're right they totally turned gloria into their idea of a nag this woman trying to get me to improve myself yeah yeah just like you you said the same about your computer the phone telemarketing class like yeah snake's line for that though is great like i just don't like bothering people at home (laughs) a guy who has stolen homes from people and breaks into their homes telemarketing and and bothering people on the phone that's too far for him that's too evil he won't do it (laughs) this this third act is sloppy in a fun way but it's like where did this fire come from yeah the fire yeah. that should have been established but homer's like i'll just burn my ropes off with this fire that's always been here i i think this end of season 12 production stuff is maybe the most senioritis stretch of episodes they ever did because like this one and homer the mower are both very senioritis of just like whatever like let's just yeah like homer the mow ends with them just going like whatever it's thanksgiving who cares so like, <laughs> you know what in this case it's like he's on fire that gets them out it's on fire there that's the end of the standoff you know but yes homer does scream quite a lot in this next scene We're in minute two of this standoff. What's the situation, Chief? Well, we have an officer sneaking around the house, Kent, so uh, unless they have a television in there or can hear my loud talking... 
Ow, ow, ow. Well, I guess that answers that, doesn't it? I swear I can change, Gloria. I'm taking classes in computer fraud. That's what you said about the telemarketing scams. But you didn't stick with it. I don't like bothering people at home. Good fire. Good fire. Keep burning. Almost there. <laughs> Just a little more. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like the comedy too that Homer wants the fire to selectively burn his ropes when, and then it just engulfs him yes. in flame. Like that's that's good. Yeah, they, he's talking to it like it's a dog, which is a fucking great like <laughs> yes. good fire, good fire. But yes, in this entire section here, you have to remind yourself, like, wait, she's a cop. Why did she want to help? And if she's trying to make him better at being a criminal, have you could get some comedy out of that being her weird because she's a police officer that she's also trying to make him a better criminal i thought of a better ending actually based on that where um this could all be like a sting like she let herself get kidnapped so wiggum could arrest uh snake oh, that wow. that's good work gloria or whatever oh man yeah that's a better ending it would remember that she's a cop at least yes, yeah you know because yeah. well, that's like when when there's the line about like uh you know whatever it is like the, whatever snakes antics you know you used to like this and it's like when when you were also still a cop like how do you just drop a huge thing like that it's just really slop city man and her being a dirty cop with him is another character detail like that actually could there's there totally is a like that's a thing in media the dirty cop who's actually dating a criminal and they're helping each other like commit mm-hmm. crimes you could do something with that but i guess that wouldn't make gloria a normal woman like that would make her like too evil or interesting like and and they just instead default of like no she just nags you to take take online courses and improve <laughs> like that like that's like she should be also saying why didn't you take a self-help book or you never flush the toilet or, or close the toilet lid you know <laughs> Uh, but uh, so yeah so apparently in one draft here this ending was and I kind of wish they'd have kept it that Burns would have taken his Viagra stand in to give himself the energy to save her I wish they'd have kept that Mm. I think I think him getting it earnestly through like actually caring about a woman that's too uh, nice that's too empathetic for Burns I'd rather I think it's funnier and uses a plot device from Act 2 to like Burns gets horny to save her and that he's like well I'm, I'm hard as a rock but really i did it to get her out of this <laughs> this burning building it's a nice twist that she has to save him though that's good i like that and that and the extremeness of the cheat that the the silhouette is obviously burns holding her and then it just swaps it swaps yeah. to the silhouette of her holding burns <laughs> like it's so great in its cheapness uh but yes the <laughs> this this also is another great line here though of of, of wiggum talking to burns i do like this here it's too dangerous. But I got a sister you might like. She's completely hairless, like those cats. I don't care if she's Miss Hairless America. I'm spoken for. Uh, step aside. I'll save Gloria myself. You. you. Uh, no offense, but you're a decrepit monkey skeleton. <laughs> Perhaps, but this monkey skeleton is in love. Kidding. Just a feeble old man. Oh. Gloria! 
And then he busts in and saves her or almost dies and she saves him. But uh, she's, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's a cute drawing of them together like that. But yeah, I kind of, you know, I, it's also a weird, it almost feels like a take that Lisa moment where she's says like, he saved her himself. And he's like, oh, well, okay. I guess, you know, uh, the point is they're alive. Like Lisa only showed up to be dumped on, it sounds like. I know, to be wrong about something. <laughs> Honestly, though, Lisa should like this reversal in, you know, the of gender norms mm-hmm. here. I feel like Lisa should celebrate that, not not laugh at it or think she's wrong. But, uh, but yeah, so we have one last clip here as uh, everything seems to be happy. This again, when I say that like this is senioritis, it feels like they realized, well, Gloria and Burns aren't going to be together in the next episode. We don't want Burns to be happy and married. So <laughs> wh- what do we do? Yeah. And they completely sell out her character is what they do. This, this final thing they go out on feels a lot like the uh, Springfield, sorry, Simpsons Tall Tales episode in which uh, at the end of that one, like uh, as, as the episode is winding down it's like homer and the hobo just having casual small talk about oh, yeah, like yeah. a very minor subject and then just like it kind of peters out that's what this feels like too where they're talking about <laughs> what is a devil beard mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but here's our final clip wow mr burns how did you do that never forget homer there's no muscle stronger than the human heart what about the wiener a guy on tv lifted a can of paint with his <laughs> yes Oh, Monty, you saved me. And to think I was once in love with that dirty lowlife with his arrogant smirk, gutter mouth, tough guy attitude, macho tattoos, hair that can't be tamed, prison sculpted body. Uh (laughs) I'm sorry, Monty. Oh, Snake, don't ever change. You, but you... I don't get it, Simpson. I'm a bad boy. Oh, I know. I'm absolutely evil. You're preaching to the choir, man. What do I have to do? Grow a devil beard? Devil beard? You know, a little goatee thing. You mean a Van Dyke? No, a Van Dyke has a mustache, doesn't it? I think it can. Are you talking about a soul patch? No! Wait, maybe... <laughs> but it's so uh, like I, I laughed out loud when Bart just enters. Like where Bart? This is the first time Bart has said anything in this episode, it, wasn't yeah. it? Since his shark butt, he yeah, wore a shark yeah. butt. So it's been twenty minutes. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of that in uh, Simpsons Safari. Bart just goes, "I haven't said anything in a while." Yes. When he just yeah. has a weird joke. <laughs> Very similar, yeah. And where did Marge come from? No, this this absolutely. Oh, I, I, yeah. Her. Oh, honestly, I like that because it's it's a dumb it's a dumb turn to have her be like, oh, of course the lady likes the bad boys because that's how women are. But having Marge say, ah, oh, that at least drives home how stupid this turn is. Uh, but it's also I I sort of read it as like a, I've seen this before like you know Marge has kind of been around like oh sure not the first time she's seen the bad boy win over <laughs> kind of a thing prison chiseled body yeah I I mean uh, Gloria has heard that Burns blotted out the sun yeah isn't she enough of a bad boy That's or what... he enough of a bad boy for her I know it's like Burns That's I, true I mean obviously I would assume Snake is a better lover than Burns for sure but you're you're gonna have a better time in the bedroom but i think that's why burns saying all this stuff at the end here is just like wait the the end of this episode is that i'm not bad enough for her i'm 
I'm the evilest man in town. What? <laughs> this is a terrible. It's really them dumping on their own ending here. I, I feel like I kind of want one of these cells of the family walking off in the sunset and Homer has his arm around Burns. <laughs> I feel like it would be a cheaper cell because nobody really likes this episode. I just sure. like, I don't know, 500 bucks. Give me the family talking to Burns. It is kind of a nice shot with the sunset. I was mm. sort of admiring it as the episode closes out. I was shocked it didn't. The, the credits music wasn't an NRBQ song again, though. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> Let's get three. Three, yeah. three, three. Uh, they gotta have one that fits for a sunset. I, but yeah, I also at the time, I when I saw this episode the first time, I didn't think it was too bad until something about in my first watch when I was uh, nineteen was that I just did not like Homer saying "What about the wiener?" Like, I guess it's not too out of character for Homer to say like, "Oh, I saw a guy do this on TV." But there's just something about Homer saying "What about the wiener?" Like, I just go like. I, okay i i don't know you know can i posit that i think what it might be is the fact that it's like a grown adult man saying wiener instead of anything else sure i don't know just wiener to me is like that's that's a that's a young that's a teenager's thing saying wiener let homer Um, say a way and it's homer simpson he'd be crasser than that yeah you know it also really again just like jello shot speaks to the late 90s early aughts times because we were all sharing videos online then but also like in jackass the show they met one of those guys who uh drags things that uh attaches a thing to his penis like basically you've got penis then a chain or a hook attached to that penis and then a chain attached to that hook and he does like dangle uh paint cans or drag things or also just like uh move it yeah i i remember i can visualize steve-o looking at a guy yanking on his penis in such a uh uh rough man yeah i was wondering like was homer watching howard stern or something or no it was jackass for sure uh, Totally. Yeah, I, I would bet too. But. That actually reminded me of the, um, I don't know if you guys have watched, uh, I think it's in the first season of How To with John Wilson on HBO. Oh, I got to watch that show. A guy. Oh man, there is an, ex- I mean, it's the whole thing is brilliant and they're really fast. They're, you know, half hour episodes, but there's an episode where he is talking to a guy who is a proponent of undoing circumcision by basically like just pulling on it and twisting on it for a really long time and this dude is like it's hysterical and it's like him casually talking about this like while he has like things dangling from his penis that are like weighted <laughs> to it's and this guy's got a family and uh, they're like there for the interview not while the penis is out but like they're there like yeah this is my dad man and this is gonna be on tv isn't that fantastic <laughs> you know it's okay to have an opinion recommend, by the way it's okay to have an opinion about that but that shouldn't be the one thing you are believing in and the one no. thing that you make your like passion uh and to reclaim yes. foreskin it's also like guys you know if you if you lost it as a kid it's it, don't go chasing that dragon you know it's like trying to chase the sunset you'll never catch it yeah you're just you're circumcised that's just how it is i want to point out that this episode goes live uh april 20th for patrons a week later for non-patrons and that means you can still catch nrbq at the end of their tour (laughs) so if you're in uh, burlington vermont uh ledyard center connecticut or uh portland uh massachusetts wow you can go see nrbq and i bet uh, if you see them on 420 they're gonna there's gonna be some weed around guys oh man it's gonna be nrbq ditch weed though so watch out those cities are the perfectest cities for nrbq and that i mean burlington vermont the the portland maine like that is so that screams nrbq's uh east coast tour 
to me. Yeah, you probably will have to smoke crappy weed with like a man in his 60s. With Mike Scully. Mike, Mike Scully, Scully will pass a juvie to you. <laughs> you know what? You No, Mike Scully works in Hollywood. He's got access to the oh, good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he's, he's bringing the good. Though I guess, you know, is he going to travel with it to, to uh, Burlington, Vermont? I don't know. He's going to have Listen, to use local. If you don't see them in April, you have to wait till June. And that's two months without an RBQ in your life. Do you want to wait until June 7th to see them in Boston? <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> oh, man, you could hear, if you went to it, how many songs would you recognize from hearing us talk about it on this podcast? <laughs> right. uh, and <laughs> as they argue about what a Van Dyke is, I, I'm going to go with the Wikipedia description, which is uh, a Van Dyke is a style of facial hair named after the 17th century Flemish painter Anthony Van Dyke. It is one that is defined by the beard. It needs goatee and mustache. It has mm. to be both. Like Lisa... Uh, at least according to the Wikipedia definition, a Van Dyke is mustache and goatee. It can't just be a goatee style that way. That's well, good to know. <laughs> just, to settle, just to settle that argument. Anyway, yeah, it's a very deflated ending that feels like, almost like they had a checklist of, of saying, well, we can't end this episode. We need to check in with the family one more time for this episode. This can't be the yeah. Mr. Burns and Love episode. My, my final thoughts are, it could be better. It's very messy, but we're in a real Burns drought. I'm just happy to see him. I'm happy to hear him. I'm happy to get any new Burns material. So that really boosts this episode for me. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Andrew? Yeah, just that, like, you know, and, and uh, on this episode itself, I was continuing my crusade of, like, ragging on later Simpsons. But, you know, uh, I feel like every time I come on, like, I'm always learning something from you guys. And, like, this is, like, I'm, I'm rem being reminded that there are good jokes in here, um, for sure. And things that I, you know, carried with me for a while just saying to my friends, like, a bunch of Simpsons lines, you know, and I said knee. I mean, that was, <laughs> boy, we talked about that a lot. Um, yeah, but also just a total brutal reminder, man. I mean, like that first act with all the Chinese stuff, you know, even something from 2001, you know, which now is 21 years ago. Yeah, could still be dated and shitty and... Uh, yeah, so that's a total bummer. But Absolutely. there's some gems in here, which is cool. And, um, you know, probably my favorite visual gag is the the pistol whip, which I've been looking at Bob's background <laughs> the entire uh, recording here. He's got Homer eating with the gun in his mouth. It's just fucking great. <laughs> I, uh, so, yeah, little little gems, problematic minefield here and there. But, I, yeah. I really needed Mr. Burns' sex life to shove all the Chinatown content out of my brain. <laughs> we immediately really. forgot about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Until you said that, Andrew, I was like, right. We talked all about Chinatown like an hour and a half ago go on this <laughs> podcast <laughs> but uh thank you so much andrew for being on the show you're from we hate movies please everybody yeah. please let everyone know about that and you have a ton of patreon exclusive miniseries like the nexus and melro 210 and uh once in a lifetime i'm trying to think of them all Gleep and glossary, Gleep glossary yeah. side order sleeve sometimes uh, yeah. what's going on with we hate movies yeah no we are we are busy folks so we, uh, we would argue maybe a little too busy but yeah patreon.com slash we hate movies uh, is where you can find all those side shows we love talking about star Trek, Star Wars, uh, you know, things of that nature. Lifetime movies is what uh, Once in a Lifetime is all about. Uh, we also have a sort of monthly entry, We Love Movies, where we rag on movies that we really like and are important to us. Um, and so if this is coming out in April, uh, we'll have been past our uh, March listener request month. But I will say, I think, Bob, you said for Patreon folks on your end, uh, this will be coming out in 420. Exactly. So yeah. just to sort of plug, 424, uh, we're kicking off some Northeast tour dates. 
Uh, we're doing just a few Boston, uh, DC, and Philly. You can find all that stuff on Patreon or on uh, whmpodcast.com. And uh, there's a tour page there. It has all the ticketing info and all that stuff. We're doing three Sylvester Stallone movies uh, for the the sort of thread nice. through our Northeast dates. So that'll wow. be a lot of fun. And that's Maybe it. you guys will cross um, paths with NRBQ yeah. on your tour. <laughs> that is, fingers crossed, Bob, uh, that I can finally track those guys <laughs> down and maybe hear a song of theirs because I literally feel the only time I hear about NRBQs either on this show or just when I'm watching The Simpsons in general and <laughs> they kind of come up or something. But it is a band that as far as my brain knows doesn't technically exist. But clearly, <laughs> you know, S- Simpsons creators love it and, you know, Burlington, Vermont, definitely. <laughs> when <Yeah>. you're, when <laughs> you stop at any rest stop or gas station, keep an eye out for the NRBQ tour bus. I'm sure it must be huge and opulent. The, cra- <laughs> the giant. And uh, tell them we sent you. They'll be very confused. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I, I, I'm so happy you guys are getting back out on the road. I, I can't, uh, I, I yeah. wish I could see you guys when you're out there but um when uh, i hope you guys can come to the west coast again someday too we we would love to see you Mm -hmm. in in person yeah that is um that is in in the works so fingers crossed we do have some uh, info there uh hopefully for the back part of this year but we'll see yeah it was a long drought of not playing shows and luckily we got to do some at the tail end of last year it was a lot of fun getting out there again and seeing folks and you know sort of feeling the room which is definitely different than sitting in my studio talking to the three guys alone so it's a lot of fun and so we hope if folks can make it we hope to see you out there uh, in a couple days awesome man thank you so much andrew thank you andrew yeah thank you guys thank you so much to andrew jupin for being on the show once again please check out we hate movies and everything that they do as for us if you want to check out more of what we do and get all these episodes one week at a time and ad free please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons sign up for five bucks a month to get just that but also access to everything behind that five dollar paywall there's over a hundred bonus episodes that you haven't heard behind that paywall if you're not a patron and if you're on the five dollar level you get access to monthly episodes of both talking futurama and talking of the hill our two monthly patreon exclusive miniseries only behind the $5 paywall, only at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you get all the $5 stuff naturally, but also access to one Megalon podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the what? A cartoon movie podcast. In addition to all those $5 things, we do a once a month super long premium podcast where we talk about an animated feature film often for over five hours even recent ones have included back in february we did south park bigger longer and uncut that was a big hit last month we did pinocchio the disney golden age classic this month we're finally doing it the live action animated crossover film of our childhoods roger rabbit check out what will certainly be a great and long podcast all at the $10 level and on the entire back catalog of three years plus of movies at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up there today. Just visit there and you'll see an easy to follow list of it. Patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I have another podcast, by the way, that is called Retronauts as a classic gaming podcast about old video games. You can find that podcast wherever you find your podcast or go to patreon.com slash Retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes 
built every month. And Henry, how about you? Follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. You'll stay up to date in the world of Henry Gilbert. And if you're following me and Bob on Twitter, you should really follow the official Twitter account of this podcast, at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod. We'll keep you up to date whenever there's new stuff going on in our world. As well, why not go to the website TalkingSimpsonsPodcast.com for an easy-to-follow back catalog of all of our previously non-Patreon-exclusive podcasts. All of it's there, at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter and TalkingSimpsonsPodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you again next time for the April episode of our community podcast, Talk to the Audience, and we'll see you then. Burns looks happy today. <laughs> Watch me uh, take advantage of his good mood. <laughs> uh, Mr. Burns, uh, can I have a raise? Clean out your desk. You're gone. Well, I had a good run. <laughs> <laughs>